This is a sports presentation from Sky Box Office Live. Now a World Wrestling Federation extravaganza from the NEC Birmingham for one night only. In 80 countries, in seven languages, to over a half billion viewers each week, the World Wrestling Federation, the worldwide leader in sports entertainment. As a lad growing up in Manchester, England, David Smith dreamed of making his family, friends, and countrymen proud. The road to that dream led to the birth of the British Bulldog. Carrying the pride of his country, the Bulldog became an international superstar. In his first homecoming, 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium shared the realization of a dream. Davy Boy's legend grew when last May in Berlin, Germany, he became the first ever European champion. But despite worldwide popularity, the British Bulldog has been branded a rogue by America. Tonight, Davy Boy is home again for one night only to defend a title, a country, and a young boy's dreams. Again and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are, closing in on Survivor Series 2019 as the calendar 2019 runs out. Time is up. It is up. The time is now. The time is now. What do you have from the news desk this week? Holy shit. Fox Sports 1 is getting a little bit of the voiceless. CM Punk has shown back up. The voiceless, uh, that's not going to do very good on a talk He's show. He's the voice then. of the voiceless. CM Punk has showed back up on Fox Sports 1 with their little weekly show that they uh, they do. But you and I were having some conversation about it. I believe he doesn't have to toe the company line. He doesn't have to say what they want him to say. He doesn't have to tell them what they want him to, you know, oh, well, you got to do this. You got to do that. You can't be critical of us. No, he's going to call it like it is. Yeah, but only to an extent because See, uh, he's still employed. Uh, he's employed by Fox, which is being paid for this show basically by the WWE. I actually don't know the, the terms of the deal, but this is to promote the WWE's product. And even though WWE probably doesn't have total creative control over the show, they certainly do have some say as to what gets put on the air and well, what doesn't. Well, they're not too happy about CM Punk being on there. They had to sign off on it somewhere. Like, I'm sure that nothing gets the WWE brand on it without 
ultimately Vince McMahon some or somebody high up signing off on it. Even though CM Punk is being employed by Fox, it's still a WWE move, basically, to bring him on there. It was done to help out the show as far as ratings go, because... The show was doing less than 100,000 views the week before Punk came on. I think they cracked 100,000. I mean, he was unannounced. It was a surprise at the end of the show, which kind of makes no sense if you want to actually build up like people that are flipping channels. Like If they see him on there, they might stop and watch. So saving it for the end, I'm not sure. Well, on my my page, uh, on my personal page, I should have just put it over on ours and i still may do it fox sports one put out a behind the scenes of like the the hour leading up to him walking out there nobody except for renee young knew he's going to be there yeah like booker t and like adam cole and christian and page were all even foley was there and didn't know that he was going to be a part of it and so i thought that was kind of cool yeah but this was something we talked about a a few weeks ago where we mentioned that he had auditioned for the show so it was knowledge that he had auditioned and if he auditioned well they're gonna hire him i mean it was just a matter of time but i'm kind of disappointed in cm punk because he just went through this massive lawsuit which was from the wwe's doctor but it was probably funded by the wwe largely a defamation lawsuit over doing that Colt Cabana podcast and if you sue me for half a million dollars or whatever it was I think he wanted three or something yeah three million dollars if you sue me for a hundred dollars Patrick that's the end of our relationship yeah. that that we're not going to no. mend fences down the road and right. say oh yeah you just put me through all that trouble and even though CM Punk came out victorious in that lawsuit still cost him a lot of money and it cost him a friendship with Colt Cabana who ended up suing him to try to get his lawyers recouped after Punk said he would pay for the lawyers. So he lost a friend, he lost tons of money, and he was caught up in this courtroom. He was in court, when that verdict came out, he was in the courtroom, and he had a UFC fight that very weekend. Mm-hmm. So it took him out of the training room and might have cost him the fight. I'm not saying it did, because yeah. he... Yeah, MMA skills with CM Punk have some work to be done, so I'm not sure that was the cause of him losing his second UFC fight. But to then turn around, eventually... A few years later and say, okay, I'll work for you again. I'm just kind of disappointed that he would do that. I'm not disappointed that the company hired him because it's a smart move on their part because he will bring eyeballs to this show, which desperately needs it because it's like at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday Yeah, on FS1. Yeah. And that's kind of a dead zone to me. And so maybe this will help it bring up the numbers. And as long as he's on there on a regular basis. And ultimately, I think most people would agree that this is the first step of him actually returning to the ring. And they're in need of star power. They're just in need of star power in general because they don't have John Cena. And without John Cena, they don't have an A-list star that people... No, and even John Cena, I've mentioned it before, even though he was a massive star within WWE, if I walked down the street and I said, who's John Cena to somebody, they may or may not know. It's not like like Hulk Hogan. It's not like Hogan or The Rock or Austin or those guys. Name power. And if I walked down and said, hey, do you know who CM Punk is? They'd probably say the same thing. But for wrestling fans, he has a lot of name value. So to me, it's just a little disappointing uh, to see CM Punk take the money and go back to the company. I'm not surprised that the company took him back because we've seen this company take back everybody. Yeah. They made a whole DVD about how much they hated the Ultimate Warrior, what a crazy person he is. Now they give out an award in his honor. Yeah. So they do an about face on people all the time. They brought Jeff Jarrett in. Jeff Jarrett was the guy, well, the one guy. Jeff Jarrett, even more so than CM Punk, I thought they would never bring him back. No. Because he held him up for money. 
like the Ultimate Warrior, and then started a rival promotion. With their money. With the Yeah, with the money that they paid him, still brought him back. Yeah. So this company, they brought back Sable after she sued them. They just, they bring back everybody. So yeah. I'm not surprised that they brought him back in some capacity. And I think most CM Punk fans would be disappointed. He is supposed to be the voice of the voiceless. The, the, the calm, like he, un, he's supposed to be more relatable. Yeah. But now he's corporate machine Fox Sports. Well, see, one. here's my thing is, I'm going to tune in and watch it for the very first week full show of him. But if it is the company line bullshit that we all come to know and see and hear, and he doesn't put, you know, put him on the hot seat about stuff, then yeah, I'm going to look at it as he flat out sold out. And it's bullshit. I think that he is there to challenge them on certain things, but only to a certain degree, if that makes sense. He's not going to get on there and rip them a new asshole and say that the Bobby Lashley, Lana, cuck angle is is stupid shit and just totally bash it. He might say something offhanded like, nah, that's not my cup of tea, or just and move on. But I don't think it's going to be a Jim Cornette diatribe of breaking down everything that's going wrong. See, and I think that's what it needs to be and and they're going to suffer tremendously if it's not. I think it's actually a better move, not on the WWE's part, but on his part to get involved with Fox Sports 1 because he could contribute on MMA broadcasts if they ever get back into MMA after they lost the UFC deal, or he could be on, have his own sports talk show. This is really CM Punk trying, to, I think, to further his career and see where it goes because the MMA thing didn't work out for him as far as fighting. At this point, I don't think he wants to wrestle again. Now, in two weeks, maybe Survivor Series is in Chicago this year. Maybe. he. I'm proven wrong in a couple of weeks. But I, I don't think he wants to wrestle again, and maybe this is just him trying to figure out what he wants to do. Yeah. Because he does have enough money where he doesn't have to really do anything, but you can go stir-crazy, I guess, living in an apartment with your wife in Chicago and just not doing anything. But I think it's kind of crazy that FS1 would sign CM Punk, because I'm, I'm sure he didn't come cheap. No. For a show that only does 100,000 viewers. Well, and it's like they said, also, he's going to be their expert they have terry bradshaw for football well they have they have you know they hired um they hired ryan satin to be like their adam schefter like their insider news guy or whatever yeah. this is just another voice basically a voice of the voiceless i yes. guess but they've already got so many people on that show and i was just thinking about it today i hate pre-show panels on the pay-per-views i hate pre-show panels going into football games where it's like five talking heads they all say the same shit i'm not sure how this is going to work out financially for them and be like oh what a great investment we paid this guy six million dollars or whatever for a show that no one fucking watches and this could all be different maybe they start putting reruns of this on the network maybe this gets cm punk like uh stone cold's new network show where he's basically doing the stone cold podcast again where his first guest is going to be the undertaker after survivor series Oh, really where is this at now on the wwe network Oh, okay. So they, they've brought Austin back, and it, he's going to just do what he did before, basically, with a different... The show has a different name, I think it's called. Uh, but it's like a sit-down talk, talk. Yeah, Undertaker's going to be out of character with Austin. Oh, shit. So, okay, well, I'm kind of looking forward to that. 
Yeah, and so maybe CM Punk gets on there. Maybe he does more stuff with the network. Maybe this this leads to other avenues and you get your money. Well, I mean, I like Austin's uh, USA show. It's very entertaining, actually. I It really is. I saw the one with Dale Jr. and I was just kind of bored with really? it. Really? Yeah, when he took him out to the race car graveyard and he was like, oh, this is a, this is a very famous car here. And Steve's like, yeah. Nice car, car graveyard. Just yeah. I, I just didn't get a lot from it. it I, was... I enjoyed it. I like the show. I think it's a great step for Fox Sports 1. Don't know whether or not it's a good step for WWE because, like I said, either they're called out on their, their bullshit of him selling out and him getting called out on it and towing the company line, or it is what we think it is and he's going to hold hold true to himself and just be like hey this is the shit you're doing and it's stupid or it's it's you know and call him out on it a very interesting move that's probably the most interesting news out of the wwe in the last few weeks honestly outside of their saudi arabia trip ordeal uh as far as because i've kind of tuned out of the current wwe product i don't watch it I don't. I I don't. <laughs> Very good thing to say on a wrestling podcast. I don't watch wrestling. I well, I mean, I don't. I do watch wrestling. Yeah. AEW. I just want to throw this one out here. Last week's show. I made it very personally clear. Wide out there. Wide open. Here it is. AEW had to get their shit together. You heard me say it. I said it when I did my pipe bomb. And sure enough, they come out swinging this week's show. It was unbelievable. Yeah, this past week's show from Nashville, very good. MJF, just incredible. Dude, just incredible. Yeah. I would say this is one of their best shows they've ever done thus far with, in, with AEW Dynamite. Yeah, I thought that this past week's show, if you're not sure what we're talking about we're talking about the november 13th dynamite coming off full gear from sunday or from saturday one of the complaints i think a lot of people had about AEW was there's not a lot of character development like oh there's a lot of great wrestlers but we don't know anything about them yeah but they actually gave a lot of people mic time on this show and yeah. so even darby allen just accepted john moxley's challenge at least you heard him speak at least you're starting to see character development you're starting to see feuds build up and and stuff like that because the wrestling's great but if you don't know who wrestlers are and what their purposes are like the finish of the night was just shocking because scorpio sky pinned y2j clean in a tag match his first loss ever yeah but that's wow they just made scorpio sky a contender in one night like you see there was so much advancement in that show and luchasaurus showing oh his return man you would have thought this was CM Punk coming back yeah. out. This and was, he'd, he'd been gone, what? Like, two or three weeks. Yeah, exactly. But they had built this up properly that it was amazing. And so Jungle Boy reconnecting with him, and it's like, oh my God, they're together again. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> and it was just, it had the whole drama feel to it. It was very well done. Uh, yeah, this week's show was fantastic. They did that in two hours where WWE can't seem to tell stories in three yes. so or in five if you count smackdown too yes. but well i mean hopefully Sinkara, being smart the way he is and asking for his release from wwe uh is going to jump to AEW. however i doubt it he says he's really wanting to wind down and spend time with his kids and enjoy his uh personal life at home not having to deal with uh i guess being on the road so much well, the thing about asking for your release from the WWE is that they don't grant it. So you're going to be sent home. You're going to be benched because it seems like they're going to just hold you to your contract. And just what we saw with Mike Bennett. He had just re-signed to Mike Bennett, in Mike Bennett's case, Mike Bennett and Maria 
had just re-signed like a few months before Mike Bennett finally tweeted out, I want out of my contract. Well, why did you just sign it if you yeah. were just going to turn around? It wasn't like they were yeah, doing... Yeah, because they were doing the whole thing with her being pregnant. And and yeah, everything. and they've shifted all that to Lana and Rusev now. So. And now they're just sitting on their thumbs at home. Getting their downside. And that's what's going to happen with Sin Cara, too. And then, I mean, they could do what they've done with people with injuries and come back and say at the end of the contract, say, well, you owe us eight more months of work because you didn't we didn't use you and you owe yeah. that to us or whatever yeah i'm not sure it was a great idea for Sin Cara because he was on tv now he was getting beat the last few weeks um but he was on tv and that's something he hadn't been on for many while. yeah for a while to now request your release now you're getting benched now you're not doing anything and your value plummets not like Sin Cara had a lot of value mike bennett and Sin Cara don't have a lot of name value i don't think they're going to be highly sought after free agents in this market wwe doesn't know who's going to be highly sought after because when they cut cody rhodes a few years ago they thought nothing well, we're not going to hear anything from this guy again and turns out he started he did jeff jarrett's move started a rival company and not that these, not Sin Cara's not going to start a rival company, but he might join the rival company. They might do something with him and turn him into a star. Yeah. And they just don't want to take that chance. And so they'll just send you home. Like Jeff Hardy and the Usos right now are going to be sitting at home because of these DUI arrests for a while, but they're not going to cut them. So. Yeah, they're not stupid. They're not, because if they cut Jeff Hardy, they're out of their fucking minds. Yeah, but they're not going to cut anybody. It doesn't yeah. matter how high up or low down on the roster you are. Now, they. They apparently did the Jordan Miles controversy with the t-shirt and him losing his mind on social media. He seems to be out of the company, but he looks really bad on his way out. He badmouthed Ring of Honor. He called uh, Jay Lethal a very bad term and just he's burnt bridges on his way out so even if he does get another job even though he got his release he got what he wanted that might not be the best way to get out of your contract is by yeah because you shot yourself in the foot with other companies yeah Nobody's, but if you're, you're if you're not smart enough to realize that this guy is out of control why in the hell would i hire him because he's just going to do the same damn thing to me. So if that's the only way to get out of your contract is to appear rather insane or to say crazy things or do something crazy, if that's the only way out, I'm not sure a lot of people are going to do that. If you're in the WWE and you have a contract, you are going to work that contract out. Or yeah. that's going to be, your time is going to be served. It's like a jail sentence, basically. It really is. Like, yeah. It's a jail sentence where you get paid, but it's it doesn't end until it ends. And that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. So, Sin Cara, sorry. It was a nice attempt, I guess. It's a way to get your name out to all those other promotions and say, oh, this guy's going to be available possibly soon and maybe heighten their interest, but he's going to be at home until the yeah. end of his contract, which I don't know how long he's got left, but like yeah. in Mike Bennett's case, he just re-upped, and I think the new contract term is five years. So, talking about a dude being on the shelf for a significant amount of time. And he at, at that point in time, I believe his uh, there will be no need for him. He shot himself in the foot because you're out of the if you're out of the limelight for five years, which nobody really gave a shit about him to begin with. It was all Maria. <laughs> let's be honest. When you sign contracts, that's just what you have to you have to live by your contract, and that's just the way it works. And so it was a good attempt on their part to try and get out because they've seen it work. Like they they cut Kenta after Kenta wanted out, and they've cut. Like Neville, well, Neville sat on the shelf for a few months before they eventually let him out. Pop now. Yeah, the bastard pack. Yeah. Uh, and so it worked before, but I don't think it works anymore. No. But sitting at home and making a paycheck without doing anything is 
sounds good to me too. So. Yeah, that's true. But you better hoard that money because, like I said, five more years you're not getting shit. Starcast, we're coming off the hills of last weekend. Starcast, did you see anything interesting in Starcast? I saw those clips that you mentioned before we started recording of MJF signing autographs. Like I think Tony Schiavone even tweeted one out where he was in character the whole time. He would tell you you're a piece of shit. He'd take your money, yeah, and then he'd sign whatever the fuck he wanted to. On well, yeah, because the there was this this little girl is literally on the verge of crying. I say little girl, she's a teenager, and uh, probably like early twenties. She's on the verge of crying because she pays to get an autograph and a picture with him, and then he signs on. To the form, to whore MJF. I thought that was funniest. As I mean, that was the funniest shit I have seen in a really long time in wrestling because he didn't break character, and I think that that there, more of that needs to happen. He also signed on a, an overweight fans thing, like too fat boy and stuff like that. Yeah. He was very very good. Although I think the the Starcast idea, I think doing it four times a year is going to burn out quickly burn out quick yeah because if it's a once or twice a year event like just like wwe access like how many of these can you go to really like they have to mix it up and that but i think this past Starcast was probably like the lowest profile heading into it but it was one of the best it's one of the best ones i mean for me personally to go and see Sting once again in the red, white, and blue. He looked very sad, though, standing Did next he? to Robocop. I Robo- didn't see it. Okay, so, I mean, there's a picture of him standing next to Robocop, and it's, you know, it's modern-day Sting, so he's yeah. like, he's a little overweight, but it's like the same jacket, so it's, yeah, it's fat guy in a little coat kind yeah. of thing, and... He did the paint pretty good, but he didn't bother like dyeing his hair blonde or anything. So yeah, I wouldn't go that far either. And but. I don't know. He just <laughs> he just looks Was him and Robocop. Yeah, he just looks kind of sad. Yeah, Robocop. They had the Robocop like statue from like WCW nineteen ninety one or whatever. Well, like, dude, they did a uh, like an, one of the little indie shows there, Starcast Wrestling Indie Show or whatever, and Robocop was a part of it. This, yeah, d- the dude that played Robo and. It, Oh my God, he was phenomenal. Walked just like, you know, once the perfect. But still, it was kind of cool. Um, for me personally, though, to see the uh, Jim and David Crockett, uh, I think I posted it on our page a couple weeks back. Uh, just outstanding. And the little clips that I've seen of the, the Q&A panel and the storytelling with them from the past was out of this world phenomenal and i hope starcast is still available i'm contemplating spending the the 50 and 60 bucks for the whole content just to see this this panel because it's fucking jim crockett i mean there's just yeah no... they don't do a ton of uh those panels no it's it's that kind of stuff that makes starcast still interesting is yes. when they when they get people that don't do these all the time I mean, like when they is... had cm punk at the one before yeah this is the southern version of of vince mcmahon that you haven't seen in or in a public forum especially wrestling wise in easily what 10 15 years and this man especially in a q and a kind of panel yeah. like you see like shoot interviews and stuff like that or, or he pops up in those wwe things every once in a while but uh it's been it's been quite a while since i think he's done something like that yes I mean, the man's pretty old now so yeah. it's not like i would i would have loved to have gone and uh gotten to, to meet the man and gotten to to be a part of that both him and david that just would have been awesome yeah not gonna eyes. pay 60 dollars for it though i'm glad you mentioned the price point though because you do get a lot of content from that starcast you get 
Stuff you don't want to see. But, dude, but. that's a lot. Think about it now. You're asking me to spend 50 or 60 bucks for an AEW pay-per-view. Oh, on, yeah. No, see, that's, that's on what the, I... On the same fucking weekend that you're doing this as well. I'm not dropping 120 bucks for... I'm a true wrestling fan. I am probably the most hardcore wrestler. If I have to pick, I'm not picking AEW. I'm going old school. I'm going to keep up with what's going so it's kind of shooting AEW in the foot, in my opinion. However, there's new fans that are like, oh, well, yeah, but I'm going to go with AEW. Just no, I can't believe their pay-per-view price point is still $50 yeah. for every single one. Like, That's a little steep. Yeah, and I think that they, if they dropped it to 25 I think they'd actually get more buys. Yes. And they would encourage people not to look up pirated streams or whatever because I think they're losing a lot of money on that. This is just not This is not 19... 19- 98. This is yeah. not where people are going to drop that kind of money, especially when you have the WWE Network where that broke the pay-per-view price thing altogether. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you get so much for that $10 a month. NWA, I think, is right for like $25 to get their pay-per-view coming up. I mean, that should be the price point. If you're going to do it old-school style, pay-per-view by pay-per-view, pay up or whatever it should be something along those lines not fifty dollars because this past week you saw disney plus debut and that's seven dollars a month and you get D- that's all, look, a clusterfuck of a mess as well by the way well when it launched yeah it, was, it still is yeah there's still anything past issues. the home page they have it set up now where it's saying like a coming january 2021 or just, so not everything that you thought was on there is going to be on there think about all that content from disney you get for seven dollars okay true. and now you're asking me to pay fifty for one three-hour pay-per-view. This is not a business model that's successful. Now, if they did it once a year for their WrestleMania-type event, okay. I'm buying it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. but not every single pay-per-view. Like, WWE's not... Even when they were doing WrestleMania and pay-per-views monthly where they were charging you for it, they weren't charging WrestleMania prices to see whatever. Fastlane is not the same price. We're paying 30 bucks, and even then, that's... Nobody was buying it. No. My whole thing of it is, is their thought process, oh, well, we're only doing six pay-per-views a year instead of doing 12. I get that. But do four. You do that, I can justify giving 50 or 60 bucks. I can't. I can't. Yeah, we're not made out of money. And StarCast, dude, I'm telling you, I'm sorry, but StarCast is where I'm going to put my money on because of the, the panels and the sit-down interviews and the, the stuff that you get that you don't get anywhere else. We just discussed it. I mean, the Crockett's. That that alone in my mind, personally, being NWA Southern bred and raised, Georgia Championship Wrestling, the Crockett's, that's worth 50 bucks. That alone. And imagine you got the Arn Anderson sit down at the last StarCast. You got... I can easily understand and justify spending that kind of money for that with the content i'm getting over a three-hour pay-per-view get your price point together exactly AEW. yeah they that that's their one thing and hey you used to talk about the nwa pay-per-view we might just have to go tickets are still available yeah into the fire uh, coming up the culmination of the first season of power so yeah which i think they they are going to do the pay-per-view at the gpb studios so. are they i think so so that'll be kind of a really interesting I mean, I get it for weekly TV. I mean, it's already a very different presentation, but for a pay-per-view where, you know, you can't edit it, like the, and they are, there's squash matches, and there's there's so much. It's very it's a very tight package. Yeah. It's an hour long or whatever. But to have, like, a, a regular three-hour pay-per-view in that venue, I just hope that the fans 
I mean, the fans are going to have to be diehards. Like they're going to have to really be into it. I think we. I. I if, I, if you if only I have a hundred people, if I the, buy us tickets, will, will you go so we can be a part of the first NWA paper? I mean, on the bullshit, no, on the line right here now. If I buy us tickets, will you go? I'll consider it. I'd have to see the ticket prices. WrestleMania. Don't went worry up. about this. I'm buying the ticket. You're getting to go for free. Would you go? I'd consider it since it's right down the road. And, okay. I mean, all right. That's all. I'm. I'm justifying. I want to make sure. It might just be easier to spend the twenty five dollars and watch. But you, you want to be there. Oh you yeah, of course. See this. You've already been there. I have, and I had a blast, and it was a legendary, outstanding, <laughs> monumental part of my entire wrestling career thus far. So that's why I feel like. It, you know why not take that next step and be a part of the first pay-per-view as well so. yeah and as i mentioned wrestlemania tickets went on sale this past week and once again like just i was shocked by the prices of the tickets that... wrestling travel do you know what this is no what is it, it is a travel agency that is devoted to nothing but professional wrestling shows and so like wrestlemania weekend or oh i see so it, it gives you like all the tickets to all the indie shows it, too like it tries it, to schedule it, it schedules out. it it is a travel agency that schedules out the best you can pick different ways but it, they work with you to help set the best possible so you can schedule get so you can non-stop get, wrestling 20 see all the shows it, i swear to god you need to look this up because i thought it was bullshit till somebody pointed it out to me and then i started looking on their website and sure dude it is legitimately walking back into the you know the 80s and 90s of travel agents strictly around professional wrestling which i think is awesome check that out wrestlingtravel.com no, no i think that you know wrestlemania weekend I think it'd be more fun to go to all the other shows and actually skip WrestleMania and just watch that when you get back to the yeah. hotel room or whatever. Because, dude, WrestleMania 33, the last one that we went to, like it was it was rough. It was just a marathon. Yeah, it's just it's it ne- it doesn't it's not unlike NWA Power. It does not go by fast. But see, I want I want to see you take on the light. You know, again. oh yes, the, the light the light has got you on the streak thus far. But oh, and now with Bray Wyatt doing that red light shit, so now I'm gonna get hit with red lights instead of blue lights. Even though maybe they'll change his color now because he changed the Universal title is now re- blue instead of red. So really? maybe he's gonna wrestle in blue light like Glacier did. That actually, I think it's weird though, but just because it's him, I know I get that he's on SmackDown. That's why he changed the color of the belt. But for him. Why not just keep it red a little bit longer if you're doing the red light thing? I don't understand why you're swapping it again. Swapping the colors? I mean, swapping the champions? Yeah. If you're I, swapping it and the title's been red all this time, fucking keep it red. That's your problem, not mine. <laughs> it's to sell more belts, I think, is what it really comes down to. The one thing that they have done that's really cool is the commemorative uh undertaker belt that they have on oh WWE. god it's like 750 dollars. Yeah, but it is it it's comes a, in a casket though. but it is a beautiful belt it is it's a, beautiful but it wasn't ring it's not like he ever used no that belt. no it's not now a if, ring it's a custom yes that's my problem with all those custom belts they're doing like sean has one brett has one on there oh, i didn't know brett had one really yeah his i think just came out I'm, I think he's on there. Uh, I mean, those are just winged eagle belts with different straps and stuff, but the Undertaker one's a completely customized thing, but those aren't ring-worn. No. It's no. not... And if, like, maybe if the Undertaker actually, like, put that, like, got that belt somehow coming up soon, 
then that would make it cooler it to me. It. Yeah, because if kind of like uh, Daniel Bryan's whatever. His yeah, little that, weird, the wooden one. Yeah, at yeah. least it existed. Like yeah. you saw it on TV, and it yeah. was there, no matter what you thought of it. Yeah. And so when you sell it, it's just like they sell that up, up, down, down belt. That's on YouTube, so it does exist in some you know capacity. Yeah. Put it on TV for five seconds. Yeah. You don't even have to. Maybe it's part of an angle where they're like, oh, we're gonna honor the Undertaker with a lifetime achievement belt here you go and someone's like someone hit, steals it or something yeah someone steals it and like burns it and that sets up his wrestlemania program or whatever at least it was on there at least you don't have just some made-up creator like why not if you're gonna go that far patrick then just commission your own belt design for whatever wrestler you like and just have yeah. someone make it for 750 dollars yeah so but you know how pricey belts can be so yeah they, they can get pretty pretty far up there back to nwa power for two seconds edge has now jumped on the bandwagon singing the praises of NWA and how amazing it has turned out to be. It's awesome. The viewership numbers have gone down. Like I said, with it being able to easily be found and replayed, I mean, that's what's good about it. So heading into that pay-per-view, if we end up watching it even on TV or going or whatever, then I can easily sit down and catch up on yeah. the entire season. Yeah. Binge watching. You can yeah. binge watch it literally going into the pay-per-view. Yeah. And it won't take up your whole day because they're an hour-long show. So, yeah. 45 uh, minutes if you... Yeah, just skip those weird skip commercials. Those weird-ass commercials. Um, Retro Mania video game is a professional wrestling video game that is built towards kind of like the 80s style. It's getting ready to come out this spring. It is outstanding. looks really fucking cool. I'm excited about it. You're kind of iffy, but they have now jumped on the NWA bandwagon. So you're going to have some of your, like Tim Storm and uh, Nick Aldis, you know, the NWA title. You're going to have the NWA power set. It's They're on, they're with NWA now. So kind of the very first NWA, this generation's NWA video game is getting ready to come out. So it's I'm, very strange. They're going to have a video game technically sort of in a weird way before AEW will. And yes, that's, exactly. That's very strange. But it is, it goes right along with their product and presented in that retro style. It's yes. actually mainly based off the WrestleFest arcade game. I think it's even, I think the developers even bought like the license and so it's actually in canon it's actually the sequel even though it doesn't have the wwf license or whatever it's actually like the true sequel to that game and i've seen clips of it and i'm just a little skeptical because it's been in development a long time look video games take a long time to develop and you see what happens when you don't take time with it like in the case of 2k20 and it turns I was playing out that shit last night and it hit a glitch and just completely shut me off in, well, the, in the middle of gameplay. Just completely will suggest an action or send a report and then made me restart the entire game. Wonderful. So it's been in development a long time, which could be a good thing or it could be a very bad thing. And I've seen a lot of gameplay footage from it, and I'm just not I'm not seeing, I guess, what I, what I want to see out of it. It looks great. I mean, the, the graphics and everything in that style, in that 16-bit kind of style, yeah. is fantastic. But like I was telling you, I read that they're not going to have, like, Creator Wrestler. They're not going to have all these match types that I think people expect from a video game now. I think they don't 
have that. And if it if it's as limited as the original WrestleFest or those old SNES or NES wrestling games, and it's still very basic, I think people are going to be a little disappointed. Especially you said it was like twenty dollars. Yeah, I think that's the price point of it. I can I'll I'll justify buying you and me a copy in the NWA set. I liked their attention to detail because they even have a little cameraman out yeah. there moving his camera around, which yeah. is something that the WWE games have never done and. That's kind of interesting because you see the cameramen walking around all the time when you well, watch. And that's what, how awesome would it be that how many fucking times does Sean go flying over the top rope onto one? <laughs> he seems to always find I'm just a saying, cameraman. Like, that would be a, a very fun aspect to a game that. Listen, In our review this week, we had a cameraman take a tumble. There you go. So and and they're not on purpose either a lot of them do intend to be like oh shit i shouldn't have been there my bad it's gotten better with as technology has improved where they don't have a lot of camera cables there yeah Yeah. they can have wireless cameras now so it's gotten a little bit better but yeah i mean that that camera at the georgia public television studios that big ass camera like three cameras man they're they are massive yeah and they're on they're on wheels they're like old school like tv cameras yes they, uh, they are massive. And you smack that shit, it's gonna hurt. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Those are those are not fun um, to run into. So I'm just I'm a little on the fence about it. I'll just have to see the reviews. Well, when it comes uh, to. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm pumped for it. Uh, this past weekend, a legend in his own right, a man that has been a part of wrestling almost 30 years, wrestled his last match in the United States, and I'm talking about Jushin Thunder Liger, and we're talking about this man was the first match of WCW Nitro. This man has been in the in, he's an NWA former NWA champion. He's been in the uh, he worked he wrestled for WWE. He came back and took a guy named Tyler Breeze that nobody gave a shit about in NXT and made him a star to go to the main roster where he fucked it up. I mean, Jushin Thunder, he's wrestled like, everywhere. Yeah, he is a true legend. And New Japan did their last uh, their last show over here in the united states and he was it was it yeah i as think his as his time is dwindling down for this spring uh his retirement match this was his last united states match and so yeah and i think it was in a tag match and i think that's kind of a bummer that yeah uh, i mean i realize that he's an older gentleman now yeah. i mean the mask hides how old he is but it's uh i didn't think it was made I didn't think a big enough deal was made out of this, if that makes sense, yeah. because it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. I didn't see a lot of uh, tweets about it or clips from it or uh, a lot of hype going into it. I mean, this was a, a major retirement match, basically, for U.S. fans. Yes. Just not much made out. I mean, I, I'm sure that's New Japan saving all the pageantry for when he actually does have his last match. But yeah, I think it was kind of odd how they just kind of. I mean, he has his last match has me contemplating actually spending the money to get the the New Japan Tokyo Dome pay per view to to witness it in real time. His final. I mean, that's how legendary and how much of a legacy this man is leaving behind. Yeah, it'll be a really emotional moment, unlike most U.S. wrestlers' retirements, which never seem to last, usually. And when they do retire, even when they think they're retiring, there's usually not a lot made out of it. I mean, they've gotten a little bit better uh, about doing making it a big deal, but most of the time it's just 
Oh, this is the last match. Okay. Yeah. You know what, man? Send out a tweet. Send out something because I guarantee you he, he reads and acknowledges all of it. Just tell him thanks. You know, th- he's given his entire life to wrestling and is one of the most underrated of all time in my opinion so uh definitely something you want to send a uh, a shout out to and just thank him um 2k got hacked last night fill me in on this you you told me about this right before we went on air yeah so 2k the publisher of the wwe video game and nba games and uh various other uh games they're actually 2k is actually the studio behind uh, Rockstar, which does Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that. But a lot of their social media accounts, uh, from what I've seen, mainly their Facebook accounts, got hacked, including the WWE 2K uh, Facebook page, where they changed their profile picture to the AEW logo. They changed their header picture to Chris Benoit for the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, they <laughs> wrote things like, WWE is fake. Uh, they also said the AEW owns us. Yo, let's get 10,000 likes and I'll release Randy Orton gangbanging a whore with Triple H. <laughs> um... Lots of other nice things, uh, many of them to go back and read and reflect and have a good laugh, because even 2K can't get their social media pages right. If they can't get a video game right, there's really no... I mean, it must have been really easy for someone to hack into their account, considering how poorly they produce their video games. Man, this, yeah, this year's game was terrible. The only hindsight to getting this year's game is the Wyatt... Uh, compound type deal Jerry the King Lawler and China I, that's it I'm telling you don't waste your money if that's not your price point of guaranteed I gotta have because it is the first time ever I am telling you it is a waste of time and effort in buying the WWE game yeah well Xbox in it too don't forget about yeah it's the waste wrestling. in time of money of buying <laughs> yeah it's Xbox it's go away X-Pac heat. For... Yes, go away X-Pac heat. Uh, Jerry Lynn had a health scare this past uh, week. Yeah, he had to pull out a star cast. He did, he did. And so we want to wish him the best of luck. Also, the queen of extreme Francine had a health scare herself. We want to wish her the best of luck. Uh, she's still trying to make a full recovery. So we want to wish you the best of luck. Get better, both of you, on a very soon quick basis last and certainly not least jerry the king lawler came out on his podcast talking about the situation in the saudi arabia flights and how he as well as so many others were left stranded over there for 24 hours and how all these people were on board the plane couldn't fucking work they had to get off the board they had to go to this shitty ass hotel room in the middle of the night that nobody understood what the hell they were supposed to do how are you going to give me a hotel room if you don't have the rooms for us it just became a clusterfuck of a nightmare i I think lawler you and i talked about it lawler kind of towed the company line a little bit with it but he did kind of open the eyes to what kind of a mess it was it was on jerry lawler's new podcast with his new people not the ones that scammed his fans out of that money that he talked about this and then did that ever get Resolve. I don't know. I haven't seen anything else uh, on the the fleecing of Jerry Lawler fans, but somehow that's been resolved. I just did the guy get caught. 
as well that scammed all these people. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, those are Jerry Lawler was making those accusations, so I don't know if that ever got actually turned to law enforcement. Oh, you know? see, I thought it did. It's very hard to prove, you know, who is doing yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's why they never catch people that make robocalls or people that scam money on the internet because it's just hard to track down exactly who it is. And even if you find somebody, well, they can just say, no, I didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jerry Lawler talked about this on his podcast. And then you also had Corey Graves on the new WWE official podcast or whatever that he does. Which will be a waste of time and effort. Don't even well, listen. more towing of the company line where yeah. Corey Graves went a step further and said that the talent shouldn't even tweet out complaints about the layover. Or, oh, you got stuck in an airport and wah, wah, keep it to yourself, like that kind of stuff. But as I mentioned to you, this was no typical, oh, my plane was delayed an hour woe is me this was i'm stuck in saudi arabia for an entire day and also this was the week before they went to england to do raw and smackdown so these people were kept away from their families and stuff where they were going to have to turn around and go overseas immediately again yeah and also it's in saudi arabia where you never know what exactly is going to go on where people have been murdered murdered and people are not treated equally over there and so you're in a pretty it's a, it's a dangerous scary place and it's not one that you should just take lightly yeah and so when all of these mysterious delays start happening with your plane i'm sure that freaked their families out over here quite a bit because uh i'm sure that you know they're not making a lot of long distance calls to saudi arabia on no. their cell phones i'm sure the the price point on that or even if they had cell reception i mean it was just a very bad situation where things were not being communicated and as we mentioned it was very shady all the the events got out before his his crew and that the money wasn't paid apparently it was paid then they released a press release saying they're going to keep doing these shows and then the wrestlers after they got back there was a big powwow meeting where AJ Styles told them to basically just fall in line and we're going to keep doing this and that's it. That's yeah. You're going to go over here and you had people like Rusev who during that delay were tweeting out this terrible never again. But then he gave an interview last week where he said, of course, I'll go back. I get paid good to go back. So they're going to have to do it because they don't it's wrestlers don't have a union. They have no way. They don't have agents that represent them to say, no, we're not going back over there. So if you want to work for the WWE, you you're stuck to your contract and you're going to Saudi Arabia. And that's. Yeah. That's it. So, and we we discussed last week how I felt. Oh yeah, and I just hope that in the future nothing worse happens to them than and I'm being af- stuck there for a day. I'm afraid that that's a that's a very strong possibility of happening. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with this government that you expect to pay you that didn't pay you, and you've you're already having money troubles with them, and they're using your wrestlers as pawns. Basically, I mean, when do they step it up? And put them in jail, you know? Or or one step further, I mean, we discussed it. You had Natalia over there, and they had the very first women's match or whatever. That's not a place, a country where women are looked at as... They're not equals. No. And so you have an armed guard walk in there and take them away from your, your group. What's to keep that from happening? What happens next time when they get delayed and they board a shuttle bus, and the shuttle bus doesn't take them to a hotel? It takes yeah. them to some underground lair or something you know well, i mean yeah exactly it's it's a very scary place it's a very scary situation it's not somewhere that you just openly travel for fun if you're an american <laughs> yeah. to begin with 
Yeah, and well, that's the whole purpose of Saudi Arabia having them over there is to try to send the signal to the rest of the world, hey, it's not that scary over here, but then they turn around and do this kind of shit. So, hey, if you come over here, we're really cool. You might be stuck here 24 hours and not know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked enough about Saudi Arabia. I think we did about 30 minutes on it last episode, so... But uh, it's going to keep happening, though. That press release, I think this deal runs until 2027. So Jesus. we've got and and two events a year guaranteed in that contract. So I will not. I repeat, I will not go. over. What there. if CM Punk comes back for one? OK, well, then I'm calling him <laughs> on his bullshit right then and there. It seems like they've moved on from legends coming back to getting these sports stars. So now what I think now they're going to go they for don't like, have anybody else to fucking come back. I know it's sad. It's sad because a lot of them are deceased, and, yeah. or in. Well, you gonna have Hogan lace up one more time? I mean, come on. He would love to. I think if it wasn't up to the doctors in the WWE, he would. Flair and Hogan would have totally wrestled in that match instead of having teams represent them. Uh, that would I would have watched that even more. Yeah, because they don't give a shit no. about. I would have. I would have actually tuned in if it was Flair and Hogan one more time. It would, it would almost be a parody of themselves from the 90s when they had the Nacho Man and the Huckster, yeah. and they were supposed to be really old people fighting, and now they're actually, they would actually be doing that. Yes. <laughs> so the very thing they made fun of, now we're doing it. That was the last bit of the Saudi Arabia madness. Until next year, until, uh, the, 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 until the spring show when something crazy happens again. We'll... Oh, well, I'm sure we'll hold them hostage for billions of dollars. Yeah. Who knows? Well, it was my pick this week. Sorry, uh, we took last week off, so it was actually my pick two weeks ago. It was One Night Only from the United Kingdom, September 20th, 1997, in Birmingham, England, not Birmingham, Alabama, as Jerry Lawler would tell us during the Godwins match. (laughs) It's at the NEC Arena, sold out in 97, 11,000 people, which... Brings me, once again, why don't they run more pay-per-views over there? They always do well. Oh, You don't need to do six a year over there, but they need to bring Mania over there. Dude, I'm telling you, if they're in 93, was it 93 that was Wembley? 92 was SummerSlam. Okay. They did Wembley Stadium. Packed it out. Almost 100,000 people. When business was down. Yes. This is the new gen when business is on its well it was side. it was the start of the new gen they yeah. still had macho and ultimate warrior in a match but still though it's you know this is 97 when business was way down yeah. and wcw was the number one promotion in this country and you have sold out in your two lowest points in your company at this particular point in time and you sold out over there and you sold a shitload of merchandise because they don't have to pay shipping and handling from the U.S. So exactly. You make a ton of money. So yeah. I don't... And now... So Raw last week was tape delayed by like three days. They did SmackDown and Raw in 2019. They taped them together from London on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And there was really not a big... Raw didn't do a great number, but they still did over 2 million viewers. So And that was like with a three-day tape delay. And no one seemed to care. So if you do WrestleMania, people like us will actually watch it at whatever time it comes on. If it's 1 in the morning or whatever. We're going to... Diehards are going to watch it live. Right. But then the rest of us, tape delay doesn't matter anymore. We live in Netflix era where we just watch whatever we want, whenever we want, and whenever it's convenient for us. So I just think it's crazy they won't take one of the big four, especially like Survivor Series, which out of the the four main pay-per-views, I think is the weakest out of the four. I think it's safe to say at this point. Even this year with the NXT, Raw, SmackDown, War, Brand War, 
which adds a little bit of interest. I still think it's the weakest of the four. Yeah. Take it over there. Just You'll make a lot of money. It'll you'll do a lot better the, over there with it than you will over here. And the fans will be crazy for it. Where Wherever you take it, Chicago this year, which has good fans, so they'll have a, a nice audience, they're even more rabid over there for yeah. the product. So really baffling as to why they don't do this. And they also did this pay-per-view two weeks after Ground Zero in your house, so very quick turnaround time here in Pay-Per-Viewville, but this wasn't available to the U.S. audience, and it was actually in storyline that Bret Hart blocked America from getting this show because he hated America so much. That's great. So Uh, it was only available in Canada and Europe, so... There you go. And you have to then come back over here and explain why... The European title has changed hands. Yes. So, Dude, spoiler alert. those people were pissed. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I don't think they got what they wanted. They were pissed. Sky Box Office presents a WWF extravaganza. JR goes over the British Bulldogs history and mainly SummerSlam 1992, which was a much better night for him in his uh, yes. wrestling career history here. Was he was he still as stoned there as he was going to be tonight? Or Oh, see, now that that's a good argument to have there. I actually think he was more messed up in 92, but here in 97, I mean, he talked about it in his interview. He had lost a lot of weight, and I mean, what did you lose the weight from? I mean, he wasn't just slimming down for the match, I yeah. think, that... There's probably some other attributes going on with British Bulldog here. We make jokes, but it, he had a serious it's sad. problem. It's sad. He had a yeah. serious problem. And for a legend like him, like he was. He's one of those guys that doesn't often come up in should have been WWF champion conversations. And it's often because of his promo skills were never really top notch. Well, he, had, he had the ability. He had the look. He had the look. And when he was... On his game, he could put on a decent match. Jake Roberts is another one. That well, it, he comes up a lot though. In, but, uh, yeah, but I'm saying those two. Oh, right there, well, also with their struggles. Yeah, yeah, those two right there with as much struggles as they as they had. Had they been clean and sober, dude. And they, that was another reason you couldn't give them the belt because you never know when they're gonna fuck up. Yeah, and you're gonna have to take the belt off of them. Yeah, but that's just my two that I constantly look at as. Man, that that shoulda, woulda, coulda been, man. That's, yeah, and it, it's yeah. not like they were the only two wrestlers doing draw. I mean, no, the, the no, whole. No, no. I mean, Road Warrior Hawk was on this show, so you go up and down the roster. Every, I mean, Shawn Michaels in 1997 was Dude, not exactly. Was, uh, there was some story. I think about, it'd be rare to find a wrestler that wasn't on drugs yeah. and and say, oh, he's doing okay. The uh, but this there's stories of Shawn being pretty messed up in during this pay per view as well. Well, I'm sure the long flight over there didn't help somebody that's an addict. Uh, I'm sure, though actually in his case, having Hunter around probably helps him because Hunter's Mr. Straight Edge as far as drug use. As far, I mean, I think we know that he probably has dabbled in steroid usage and no and growth hormone and no. stuff but as far as like not human hulk as far as drugs that get you high yeah. hunter's never been interested in that so actually having hunter around might have helped sean a little bit yeah. to keep going america has branded the british bulldog a rogue he is the devil in the united states even though he was just part of the heart foundation he wasn't doing a lot of the anti-america stuff like he was just part of the team this opening promo video didn't make a lot of sense because this is only being shown to canadians and people in europe so 
They don't really give a shit. They don't give a shit about this storyline as far as he's going to be a face. It's his home country. He's the British Bulldog. So they're just doing it to have to. They don't because they they know this will be on video. So they could have very easily just clicked right over. And here's our first match. He's back to defend his country and a young boy's dream. It was always his dream as a young boy, Patrick, to not be the WWF champion, but to be the European champion. Well, because he's. You know, in Europe. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is the one night that that title really makes a lot of sense. The night that it was awarded you know, and this night. We make we make fun of it, but uh, Adrian Street, who's a UK legend, uh, it was a big deal for him when he became the first European champion. And so, believe it or not, they over in England, they the European title is something that's very you know sought after. And I don't think that that's looked at or acknowledged that much over here. Well, this European title was sought after until after this event, and then it was no <laughs> then longer it went to shit. Yeah, um, we're a finger poke of doom. This bitch. We're, yeah, <laughs> Vince McMahon welcomes us into one night only, and he gives us a Mr. McMahon voiced uh, opening here. So he's still on commentary. One more month of uh, Vince on commentary. Bad Blood '97 would be his last pay per view on the table. Hunter Hearst Helmsley's with China. They're out first. And he eyeballs some British guardsmen on the entryway. Forget custom sets. What they did for this one, Patrick, ooh, they went all out. They put two British guards standing there on the ramp. And you know what? I watched them throughout the night because they're not supposed to move, right? But they would move. They moved. They, and they looked around. Well, and they also moved anytime people fought on the ramp. They were, it's amazing, they vanished. Yes. So they weren't too committed to their post. Not J- like normal... British guards. JR and King accompany Vince at the desk. Dude Love will be Hunter's opponent, which I, during this match, if I finally made the connection that Dude Love, the name Dude Love, is almost a play on mankind. It's a a male name followed by a attribute yeah related to you didn't realize that kindness or love it's the same thing yeah that's he he sold that that was the the argument he sold to vince on getting the name mankind because he because oh we love your home videos of your kid you know dude love and that's when he talked about you know yeah he's a dude but he talks about love well i'm a man but i'm going to talk about being kind and that was how he sold the idea on mankind. It's very intriguing how his mind worked to come up with that. I was well, he was originally supposed to be like Manitar or he was Mason what? the Mutilator. Mason the Mutilator, yeah, yeah, that's right. So I'm glad he talked Vince out. One of the few people to talk Vince down. Yes. Or Austin being Chili McFreeze or whatever they <laughs> Chili were going. McFreeze. So Dude Love is Hunter's opponent that's here. A, is, that's a McDonald's dessert. Yeah, it could be. We get a pre-tape with Dude Love doing a British accent promo. It was bad. It was supposed to be Austin Powers, which gets referenced about a million times tonight. It was terrible. Vince gives it a fake Vince laugh after it airs. Hunter defeated Dude Love's alter ego, Mankind, in the King of the Ring earlier this year, so this is a rematch of sorts. The crowd is really into Dude Love for some reason. This is also uh, New uh, Madison Square Garden, Monday Night Raw. The Cactus Jack return, yes, right? Yes, so, so this is... Hunter's gotten every version of Mick Foley. Yeah, and 97 alone. <laughs> yeah, so this was a program... I mean, if it wasn't for Mick Foley, Hunter wouldn't be nearly the star, I think, that he no, God, turned out Foley to be. No, God, Foley bounced for him for years. 
The Dudester is in control early with a back elbow and a back body drop. Hunter just sells for him for the first several Dude, minutes. Old, just bouncing around for Foley is owning his ass for most of this match. Yeah, Hunter finally slows the dude down with some right hands, but Dude quickly takes back control. Hunter gets stuck in the tree of woe, and Dude hammers his leg and hits a running elbow. Dude calls for the sweet shin music, but misses it as Hunter leaps and runs from him. This allows China to clothesline him on the outside. Hunter now has the upper hand, and the crowd chants for Dude Love to come back and rally in this match. China takes Dude Love's eyes and rakes them behind the ref's back, and this gets a near fall from Hunter. Hunter hits his signature knee for another near fall. Hunter then Hunter tussles with the ref when he gets caught using the rope on an abdominal stretch. The ref gets a big pop for fighting back as the crowd just loved that the ref shoved him back here. Mike Kyoto's getting a little, uh, little bowed up there. Mike Kyoto's the only ref that I can remember getting suspended for a wellness violation. So Mike, really? Kyoto, yeah, he's gotten a 30-day wellness violation suspension before. So Mike Kyoto's been on the gas, man. <laughs> the fuck? I it's never weird. Knew that. Yeah, I mean, he's the senior referee now. He is the 2019 Earl Hebner on, yeah. the, on the crew. But yeah, he's been popped for a wellness violation before. I did not know that. Hunter gets a pedigree countered by Dude who catapults him into the buckles. Dude hits the sweet shin music, the double arm DDT. One, two. Oh, damn. China puts Hunter's foot on the ropes and saves him. Pedigree that Mick takes on his knee, teaching Kane a lesson from afar. <laughs> and Hunter gets the win despite doing very little in this match. Like, this last, the knee and the pedigree and that was like the only two moves hunter did in this match yeah. so it was mostly i guess he knew he was getting the win and just said hey mick i'll sell for you for seven minutes and you can I'll dude yeah mick the- owned his ass this whole match at this point in time i noted china is actually bigger than hunter hearst helmsley as she far is. as muscle mass she here is. it's pretty funny take you talk about taking the pedigree on the knee it's a much safer way to take it's a much <laughs> easier way to take well then on your face <laughs> yes but uh, he very rarely took it. He very rarely took it straight really? on the face. Yeah, I've he, not, I've always thought he was a good seller of the pedigree, but maybe I'll have to go back well, and rewatch. Well, I'm just saying, to take it on a knee... He, oh, this guy doesn't give a shit about his knees, though, no, too. No, so. he never... Very rarely did Foley take it on the knee. He got it straight, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, he took it straight, especially, man, Madison Square Garden, Royal Rumble 2000, oh, yeah. on them thumbtacks. I would have took that shit on my knees, and he went face first. Well, he was going to go out with a bang. Wasn't that the retirement match, or...? No. Uh, oh, the, the Hell in a Cell was the yeah. retirement match. I always get those two confused. But, uh, yeah, I was shocked to see him take a knee with it this uh, this go-around. Well, you know, it's only on pay-per-view in certain places. Well, so, I mean, you know. we don't want to get hurt overseas or anything. It's not like, you know... <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this match was average. I... I was surprised at how overdue was to this crowd. Good starter. Uh, yeah, they did. They loved, they loved dude. Yeah, wrestling-wise, I'll say that this was a very good WWF pay-per-view, 1997-wise and 98-wise. Yes. Like up and far- down the up and down the entire show was a really good in-ring product. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of filler on this card. Um, that being said, a lot of the matches did feel like house show matches. Like this kind of felt like a house show match in the way that it was structured and with Hunter doing all the selling and then just winning the match. Yeah. Time for some fan comments. They're they're going back to their SummerSlam 92 playbook and going to the fans and asking them who will win between British Bulldog and Shawn Michaels. Unfortunately, unlike SummerSlam 92, we didn't get a young fan saying British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not, which is 
the most famous quote from those fans. Shawn Michaels is nothing. He might be fast, he might be talented, but head in the cell, he's going to go down to the Undertaker tonight. The Bulldog's going to take him out. He's the English Englishman. He's going to take him out. Shawn Michaels! Bulldog, all the way. Uh, well, we've not had many good things come out of Britain. Frank Bruno, them rubbish. I think Bulldog's going to win because he's the best ever. Bulldog! 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 Sean, definitely, because it's just better. Sean Michaels is going away. He is the man. Bulldog rules. Sean Michaels, what has he done in the past year except whine and moan about the fact that he lost his oh, title? First Bulldog. Sean's going to have some gang that's going to one, two, three. Bulldog! Bulldog! Sean Michaels, because he's the best. <laughs> British Bulldog is just going to kill him. He's got all the fans behind him. Sean Michaels. But the British Bulldog should do it because he's never lost at aim, but I like Shawn Michaels better. British Bulldog. But this crowd is kind of split. They got a few HPK fans in there. They did. However, they, those fans did not show up later on this evening. No. <laughs> Sunny is out next as she was doing ring announcing at this time because she had... She had nothing to do. Yeah, she ditched the smoking guns and Billy became Rockabilly and she was just sort of... Hanging around. In limbo. They didn't know what the hell to do with her. Yes, it wouldn't be until LOD 2000 showed back up that she got some more managerial work. So she's out to do some ring announcing. JR says that Sonny could be a Spice Girl. And he says that's the extent of his UK material. Which it wasn't, because he would reference Austin Powers later in the night, and then he would reference something else from the UK. So Sonny introduces the superstar, Leaf Cassidy. Al Snow still rocking his new rockers gear. Yep. Uh, coming out. <laughs> I just love that he's still in his rockers 2.0 gear, that he just didn't bother getting a <laughs> he's new He's like, single. I'm not wasting money on another set of tights or trunks. To take on one of the company's, I'd say, biggest disappointments as Tiger far as. Tiger Ollie Singh. Yeah, who was supposed to just be Did the man, rock. Yeah, that, basically. He was going to be the next big thing in their eyes. And. Uh, he comes out with his father, Tiger Jet Singh, who I have not seen this man in front of a camera in a very long time, before this or after this. Yeah, I don't think he was used on weekly TV with, no. with Tiger Ali, so major project that they had a lot of hope for, and Tiger Ali just didn't pan out for them. His last match on Wikipedia was in 2016, so he has continued to wrestle but he didn't wrestle very much from 2002 to 2008 when he filed a seven million dollar lawsuit against wwe really he claims that his career ending injury was the result result of being forced to wrestle in the rain while in puerto rico he also accused other wwe wrestlers of frequently calling him taxi driver which i i do believe probably happened yeah in this era of wrestling i believe that. and he was the victim of a stunt in 1999 where his turban was stuffed with garbage, which I also believe probably happened. WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt countered by noting that the company was not responsible for any injuries occurring in different organizations and that Singh's contract could legally be ended if he suffered an injury. An injury is what officially ended his career. He was actually still with the company in 2002. He was sent to Puerto Rico to work on his skills actually wrestled on Sunday Night Heat before WrestleMania 15. Really? So that would have been 99. He defeated Gilberg at No Mercy UK, which happened in 
May of 99. But that's when he was actually, that he was taken off TV after that, though. So he was sent to Puerto Rico from 2000 to 2002, basically. He wrestled in the rain and, what, twisted his ankle or something? Because you don't hear a lot of wrestling in Puerto Rico coming out of the WWF. Well, especially during that time, that's something that I'm not familiar with because... The 80s. It was the International Wrestling Association in Puerto Rico. They sent Lowdown, D'Lo and Chaz, and Tiger Ali Singh to Puerto Rico in 2000. And then the invasion started in 2001, so they were just shit out of luck. He had a longer career with the company, technically, than I would have thought. Yeah. I thought he was actually cut well, His later. His dad, Tiger Jet Singh, was a event senior legend from way back. And so... I think that they thought... This would be their big Indian star, much like they tried with Jinder Mahal a couple of years ago. And well, even, yeah, though, even though they're both technically Canadian, Jerry Lawler says he hates kids that drag their dads around for protection all the time. So a Brian Christopher reference here. Vince doesn't pick up on the joke, though, and totally it just goes right over Vince's head. <laughs> and JR. JR, JR bit, bit at the line. There yeah. was, yeah. Tiger Ali Singh cuts a promo about staying drug-free, uh, which, if you looked at this man, he was not drug-free. No. I would, uh, certain drugs to make you bigger, I'm sure. was. Uh, he's doing Hulkster's gimmick here, stay drug-free, but then he says he's the true messiah, and then reiterates that he's Canadian, so don't turn these fans against me, please. I'm, I just want to reiterate I'm Canadian. Oh, Tiger Jeet Singh then gets uh, the mic and speaks in Farsi, and... Leaf Cassidy takes advantage and attacks Tiger Ali Singh while Dad is cutting a promo. Singh hits a nice belly-to-belly to stop Leaf Cassidy. Cassidy responds with a clothesline and a heel kick for a two-count. Vince says everyone in the WWF concurs with staying drug-free, which we know is not the case. Leaf struggles with getting Singh to the top turnbuckle. Vince doesn't even follow that rule. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Singh knocks him down and hits the Tiger Bomb, which is not a true Tiger Bomb. It's... A diving bulldog from the yes. top rope for the win, which looked like shit. Sonny then allows Lawler to get a hug on the way out, which made Jerry Lawler's day. This made the trip complete for Jerry Lawler. She also shakes Vince's hand and steals JR's hat, which he didn't appreciate. <laughs> this was probably the worst match on the card, but this was just too... This was filler. This was a house show worthy match. We go to clips from Ground Zero where Stone Cold Steve Austin... Cost Owen and Bulldog the tag team titles when he stunned Owen and the headbangers of all people took advantage. This tells you the state of the tag team division. The headbangers are the tag team champions in 1997. So, Well, I mean, just 2017, they were once again tag team champions. Well, in 2016, they were on SmackDown, but they oh, weren't. 16, okay, they not were, 17. They were in a tournament. But they didn't make it. They got oh, okay. beat. That was the tournament where Rhino and Heath Slater had to win to get their contracts, or else they were fired. That's right. So, yes. yeah, the Headbangers returned in 2016 for three episodes of SmackDown. I think didn't look that bad, really, for guys no. that hadn't been around in yeah. a long time. So, but somehow, also stunningly, the Los Bariquas are the number one contenders. So I haven't figured that one out. They've either. somehow leapfrogged Legion of Doom and the Godwins, the only other two tag teams that are actually tag teams, really. And they've leapfrogged... Uh, We're coming the, up on DOA. The Nation of Domination and DOA. They, le- yeah. they leapfrogged all of them. And Savio Vega and Miguel are the number one contenders. That is one hairy-ass man. He is very hairy, that hairy man. And their their wrestling attire is great. Khakis 
and sleeveless shirts yes. with fancy shoes. This was their wrestling gear. Karsten Schaefer is our ring announcer for the night. They didn't use Fink. They used a British guy instead. The Bariquas attack the tag champs, the headbangers, which, by the way, the headbangers gimmick doesn't make a lot of sense to me because uh, metalheads... Uh, number one are usually fat guys for whatever reason and they usually always have long hair because when you headbang that's the thing that has motion so having bald guys also in skirts which were never part of headbanging Marilyn Manson even but the crowd never wore skirts and even him i it wasn't really that big. It wasn't. They kept I mean, this you from there. More about him than I do. I don't. Oh, I, I, I don't remember that. I've never been into metal in general. I mean, I, I've heard it before, yeah. but I wouldn't consider myself a headbanger. But these skirts are carryovers from when they were the Flying Nuns, so they were already used to wearing the skirts. I think. And <laughs> anyway, I just think it's a weird gimmick for these the flying two nuns. Yeah, that's how they started at. That was their original gimmick. Really. Yeah, they came in. They even wrestled on like Shotgun Saturday Night as the Flying Nuns. That really? was their first gimmick. Yeah, like actually a nuns type. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Uh, clearly a Vince Russo idea. This is a better gimmick than that. But, oh god, yeah. Uh, but then of course Chaz would become Beaver Cleavage. I, so. I kind of liked Beaver Cleavage. Of course you did. Beaver Cleavage was a very good. Well, you know. Th- no, I don't think so. That was a very that was a very strange storyline when. His mother was yet his girlfriend. Yes. Well, and then they went to a domestic abuse angle, and that was the end of Chaz altogether. So, yeah. Mosh works Miguel to start the match, but quickly tags Thrasher in. They get the upper hand early. Savio kicks Thrasher in the back of the head to slow him down, and he tags in. He has a spinning heel kick that takes Thrasher out of the ring. The Bariquas bring Thrasher back into the ring, and Miguel and Savio just double team him. The Bariquas get the heat on Thrasher for ages here. Also, the headbangers way over with this UK crowd, too. They were into the headbangers for some reason. Miguel misses a second rope 180 splash, but then hits a standing moonsault, which to see Miguel, this big hairy man, do a standing moonsault was kind of cool. He hits it to Thrasher, gets a two count. They just keep beating Thrasher down. Savio stops the hot tag attempt to mosh, and the Bariquas keep Thrasher in their corner. Miguel tries a sleeper, but Thrasher hulks up, but Vega cuts him down before he can get rolling. Thrasher finally stops Vega with a belly-to-back suplex and gets the hot tag to mosh. Mosh runs wild. Frankensteiner to Miguel for a two-count before Savio breaks it up. Mosh power slams Miguel for another two-count, but Savio breaks it up again. Then Miguel nearly kills Thrasher with a power bomb as he almost dropped him on his neck. But then Mosh hits a seated senton from the top rope onto Miguel and the headbangers get the win as Mosh did very little in this match. I thought he might have actually been injured or something because yeah. Thrasher was getting thrashed this entire match. Um, the headbangers then head into the crowd to mosh it up for a second before walking to the back. So very fan friendly guys, the headbangers. Notorious uh, locker room did not like these guys for some really? reason. Yeah, they've been buried in like WWE magazine and stuff before and WWE.com about like people that that wore out their welcome like only ahead of them they was like a top 10 list the only person ahead of them in the rankings was scott steiner so they were not making people happy in the backstage area but like we said they got brought back in 2016 so i mean they they brought cm punk back so scott steiner uh, might be showing up soon Uh, yeah okay i wonder what they did to uh kind of make him i'm sure it was probably due to their size because i mean they, they were very 
skinny. They weren't very good in the ring either. They were pretty bad. This was a very bad time for tag team wrestling in the WWF. And I'm sure a lot of people in the back felt like since they got these tag belts, like, hey, how did they earn that spot? They suck. Like, I'm sure that was part of it, too. They only had these belts for a minute. I mean, once the New Age Outlaws came along, these guys were afterthoughts. So, But yeah, the tag team division was in the shits here. And kind of stupid that they didn't just let Owen and Bulldog have the belts back and at that last pay-per-view but you know austin's got to be involved even though i think he was injured here which is why he didn't make the trip over and he didn't have a match at ground zero either so their biggest star it was just a device to get austin over but gang warfare was going nowhere by the way the wwf it sucked one funny thing happens is the headbangers walk up the ramp a kid so mosh like hangs out with this kid and like dangles his tag team title over and the kid grabs it and he is not going to let mosh have his belt back and he has to rip it out of the kid's hands. So, very mean. Very heelish thing to do. JR has a pre-taped interview with Davey Boy Smith, who talks about his sister who has cancer, and he dedicates tonight's match to her. Oh, goodness. This, this is, is not a good thing. It's going to be very special. Um, i got my sister, who's sitting out in the crowd, uh, who's battled with cancer twice. Once when she was a year old, and just a few months ago, she was in hospital in uh, Chris's in Manchester and uh, didn't think she was going to pull through. They've taken almost everything out of it that can possibly can take and uh, she pulled through it. And uh, so to me, she's a, uh, a champion in my eyes. So I'm dedicating this match tonight to my sister, Teresa. You're, I understand you have other family members that'll be in attendance tonight as well. Yeah, my mom is going to be there, my dad, my wife, my other sister, um, my brother Terrence and... Uh, my bodybuilding uh, trainer, Walter O'Malley. This is uh, certainly going to be, I would think, one of the most exhilarating feelings you'll ever have, being introduced here in Birmingham. Your countrymen, I know, are going to be so behind you. What have you done to prepare for that feeling and for this match? Um, I prepared myself well. Well, actually, uh, I've uh, dropped about, uh, in English weight, about uh, two stone, which is about uh, 28 pounds because uh, Sean's uh, quite a bit lighter than I am, so that makes him a lot faster than I am. So I'm going to be uh, right there with him, toe-to-toe, just as fast as he is. But the one thing the British ball has got, and that's strength. And uh, Sean can't match me strength on strength, but he is one of the World Wrestling Federation's top superstars in the World Wrestling Federation today. So I've geared up and got myself ready for this match. Have you ever been more ready? Is this going to be, as far as you're concerned, the biggest night of your career? Um, yeah, I would I would say it's going to be well, the biggest night of my career, yeah, defending my European belt, especially when I walk out at the uh, NEC Arena in front of 15,000 people and live on pay-per-view all over Europe. It's going, to, it's going to be one of the biggest events that I've ever stepped and walked out in front of. And you're ready to go? I'm ready to go. Good luck. Thank you. Why do this? If you know how it's booked, why do this? Well, and also the fact that he looked really messed up in this interview. I mean, Bulldog looked really messed up in this interview. And after he passed away, that episode of Confidential talks about how affected he was by his sister being sick and stuff. So you're dragging her into the... Like, you're putting real emotion into him, too. And, like, I just... Man, I would have avoided bringing this sister up into the if you knew this was how the match was booked which jr did i just man it's just awful tasteless 
Yeah. Really. I mean, this would have been fine before SummerSlam 92, where you know he's going over. Or tonight, if they had put him over, fine. Yeah. But to dedicate a match to a woman who eventually died from cancer. Right de- after this, I yeah, believe. And, and dedicate this match. Just, well, just not even a year, was it? Davey says he dropped 28 pounds to meet Sean. He does look lighter. Not sure if he was bluffing or not, but yeah, he did look lighter in the think, interview. I think that was a little bit more help losing it than... Stress was probably contributing to his weight loss, too. Yeah. Stress and extracurricular activities. Flash Funk is out next. No Funkettes, though. They didn't make the trip to the United Kingdom, so this is kind of weird. And he's here to meet the Patriot. What an odd pairing for this European tour. Like A proud American. Taking on another American. Taking on a pimp. (laughs) Well, he was more of a dancer, not a pimp. Now, the Godfather largely, I'd say, borrowed from Flash Funk's gimmick, but I don't think it was ever... He was a dancing pimp. He was just a dancing guy. He just liked pimps style but he wasn't a pimp i don't think so the patriot fresh off his loss for the wwf world title talk about another guy that got opportunities that people in the back were probably fuming at this was the strangest interjection of a wrestler that i can recall because he was he was coming off of the heels of him and uh bagwell him and bagwell and so he was a nobody in in a lot of people's eyes. No one knew who this guy was. No. And just, bam, here he is, and he's going for the title. And it's like, well, what the... Just because he's the Patriot. Yeah. And so, yeah, Del Wilkes here was in and out of this company so quick. Like, rather, rather quickly. It's just amazing that you come in, have a title match, and you are gone. And you are just erased from history, basically. I mean, they repurpose your theme song for Kurt Angle a couple years later, and you're yeah. just totally forgotten about. Yeah, because he wasn't... What, a year and a half, if that? Yeah, I think he lasted a few more months, and then he was gone. He did a tag match with Vader or something, and then that was it. Like, three matches. But he got a world title shot, so amazing. Patriot gets booed, of course, from the UK crowd. Flash Funk and Patriot handshake to start the match, so they've done the code of honor. JR says Flash Funk needs to win because he's got six kids at home. He needs that winner's purse for all his kids. Patriot just gets booed for anything that he does because... He's an American. Yeah, and and he's also the Patriot, so it's two things going against him. So the crowd is naturally behind Flash Funk here. Funk hits a top rope crossbody for two after skinning the cat on the top turnbuckle, which was pretty awesome. Patriot no-sells some chops from Flash Funk, takes back over. They exchange submission attempts, and Patriot power slams Funk for a near fall. Patriot hits a diving shoulder block from the top rope for a two-count. Funk calls for an aerial move, does a rotating splash, not a moonsault or anything, and gets a near fall. Then he tries the moonsault, but gets knees as the Patriot gets his legs up. And then Patriot hits what he calls the Uncle Slam. Uncle Slam, which is a full Nelson Slam or Jinder Mahal's Coloss. As oh, that's why he's where he's at today. So Patriot gets a win. He loses the big title match, but he beats Flash Funk, so he's on the rebound. He's climbing up the rankings. I don't know how much of a ranking jump that is. but uh. Yeah. Patriot then grabs his American flag, waves it to booze after the match, which uh, was awesome. <laughs> LOD have a screaming promo after the match. Classic LOD. What a rush. You know how it goes. Godwin's out first with the Confederate flag. So, (laughs) uh, a tale of two Americas here. And the British crowd doesn't really... They have no idea. This means nothing to them. No, they have no idea. I'd probably even the history of why that flag is... 
what it is. The Legion of Doom, though, get a great reaction here in England. Not exactly a SummerSlam 92 reaction, and they didn't come out on motorcycles. And they Good idea, probably, after Hawk fucked up on his last motorcycle. So, uh, still good. <laughs> burned his leg? Yeah, burnt animal's leg because yeah. of how close he parked. Vince doesn't like Jerry Lawler making light of mad cow disease, which was actually going on in Britain at the time of this, and Jerry Lawler making jokes about it, and Vince is like, no, no, cut that out. <laughs> like Jerry making jokes about a serious health crisis in the, the UK. So it's a really bad match as the Godwins are in control for most of the match. And that means LOD is going to no-sell. Hawk, though, gets a near fall from his neck breaker, but Henry slop drops Hawk for a near fall that Animal breaks up. Animal power slams Henry, double clotheslines the Godwins. Doomsday device to Phineas, and LOD get the win, as it seemed like LOD only fought the Godwins for about six months, and uh, following the angle where they broke one of their necks in the Doomsday device. and Did he actually break Henry's neck, or was it there was a pre-existing injury and that was a way to ride it off? Now, I think he actually... I think he actually did break some vertebrae in his neck from He it. screwed his neck up. I don't think it was broken, because they were back way too soon for a guy with a broken neck, but they fought the Godwins. This was the tag team division. These yeah. are the two tag teams, and it was this way until LOD got spun off to the New Age Outlaws once again and got their head shaved, and that was the end of the LOD. And yeah. You had LOD 2000, which we've already discussed. JR brings out Ken Shamrock. He got injured on Raw, so he can't fight tonight, so bait and switch here. He had a punctured lung, but he's not laying down and he'll be back, which if he had a punctured lung, why is he flying overseas? That seems very dangerous. Rockabilly Gun comes out to Uh confront Ken Shamrock. Of all the people I would bring out for the world's most dangerous man, of course, I'm going Rockabilly. Billy walks up and smacks him. And Ken, who is too injured to fight, by the way, slaps on the ankle lock and then leaves. So he was injured enough not to wrestle a full match, but had enough in him to give an ankle lock. Bret Hart is backstage with a backwards snapback cap on, which is very weird to see Bret in hats. And he stands in front of a shower for this interview for some reason. Bret says he'll win and he'll do the best he can. Thanks, Bret. Vader time is now. The Mastodon comes out. He's taking on Owen Hart, who gets a huge reaction. The crowd isn't mixed up about him like they were about Brett's promo. They were a little iffy on, on Brett's promo, but they are 100% well, dude, fans okay, of the Rocket. So I want to throw this out there. The conversation between Vince and Brett. Vince was kind of giving him some hillish stuff here. Oh, yeah. Well, like Brett's response back to him was... He's like, well, are you worried about these fans? You know, and well, he was like, put him on the spot about it. Yeah, well, and he was like, are you upset if they boo you or whatever? And he was like, yeah, that would kind of upset me. He gave kind of like a non-kayfabe answer at yeah. the end. It was kind of weird. Yeah, it was a very weird, It and which was leading up to just months down the road, made me think Vince had planned this a little bit more than he wants I'm to sure be credited for. I'm sure by now, Brett knew that he was leaving, because so, this is September. so That's true. Well, Brett. Somewhat of a mixed reaction here. Nonetheless, it's your opportunity to do what you do best against The Undertaker. What sort of attitude will the hitman have coming into this matchup? Well, you know, to me, this is just about like wrestling at home. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I still like to believe in my heart 
that I'm still the champion that I always was years and years and years ago. I think I've got the greatest fans in the world over here in England, and I don't underestimate The Undertaker, and I know that he's got his fans and his following. All I'm going to say is one thing. I'm going to fight fire with fire, and I'm going to do the best that I can, which means I will prove once again that I still am the best there is, the best there was, and plain and simply, the best that there ever will be. Well... I'd, I'd like to also ask you, but with The Undertaker, with the frame of mind that he is in, given what happened at SummerSlam, The Undertaker, I would suggest, is going to be pell-mell all over you, no holes barred. Well, I uh, expect that. I mean, uh, Undertaker, I'm, this guy's, uh, you know, he's, he's a great wrestler, and he, he's tough, and he's bad. And he's, I'd say he's probably the hardest fight I'm ever going to have. But that doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean I'm going into this thing uh, expecting the worst. I'm not. Uh, this is just about like wrestling with home field advantage. And uh, I think the people know me for what I am. They still believe in me. And uh, I'm just going to go in there and do the best I can, which has always worked well for me. Well, I don't think you're hearing what we're hearing. I don't think they like you here. Well, or maybe, maybe they, they do. just need to start liking me again. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. They see they all they see is American television. And Does I don't it know matter to you whether they like you or not, Brett? Does it matter to you? Yeah, it matters to me. It does. Best of luck to you tonight, the Hitman, Brett Hart. So Owen waves the Canadian flag in Jerry Lawler's face for some reason. I don't know why. And then he poses on the turnbuckle with the Canadian flag, which this is a very famous image because when Owen Hart passed away, this was the in memory of photo that they yeah. used. So from this pay-per-view. Vader uses his size and weight to control Owen until Owen hits a Hurricane Rana to Vader. Yes, that's right. Vader did a Hurricane Rana, took one, and planted his head right into the ring. So ouch. Owen hits a crossbody off the second buckle for a near fall. The sharpshooter is blocked and Vader gets a vertical suplex blocked. Owen goes back to the sharpshooter. Vader gets to the ropes. Owen tries a crucifix but gets slammed by Vader. Vader hits a second rope splash for another near fall. The crowd gets an Owen chant going. Owen then escapes a powerbomb, insiguries Vader, puts on the sharpshooter. The crowd thinks this is the finish, but Vader makes it to the ropes. Owen scoop slams Vader, something he had teased all match. This was supposed to be Hogan slamming Andre here, but it didn't get the kind of reaction that they wanted. Vader bomb blocked with Owen's knees. Missile drop kick. Owen nips up, hits the spinning heel kick for a two count. Owen tries something off the top rope. Vader catches him, power slams him. One, two, three. Vader with the win out of nowhere. And this was this, the start of a bad night for the Hart Foundation here. This was, without a doubt, I consider match of the night. Oh, I think, yeah, it's up there. Well, I, mean, I think Brett's match was a little bit better. That's what I was going to say. This one and Brett and Taker are the two they're ha- that man they're 50 and 50 for match of the night they're it was just so weird though that they gave vader the win especially because vader is sort of being i mean he's been mid-card yeah. since the match with sean yeah he wasn't getting elevated past that yeah. and this is like what they do now when they bring it's england it's not canada but owen's the hometown favorite and you yeah. beat them in their hometown yeah it just makes no sense like especially on this pay-per-view which isn't even being shown in america just give one of these guys the big win basically yeah uh vader didn't need it i just thought the booking was very strange in this match especially to have vader just win with a power slam not even a finisher and the fans not very happy with the outcome of this one so and owen looked great in this match owen was fantastic and vader for his part i mean yeah he took a hurricane rana 
I don't mostly say much about you know match of the night when it comes to Vader's matches, but dude, this was up here. This was really it's up there. the second best Vader match we've watched in this podcast because the one he had with Sting obviously was a very very yes. good match, but that was six years earlier, seven yeah. years earlier, so. Yeah. A very different Vader in 97. SummerSlam was, of course, Brett versus Undertaker for the title with Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee and the infamous chair shot to the head of Taker cost him the title, which was so strange, but the crowd got hyped for it because they knew, oh man, we're building up to Shawn versus Bret Hart down the road. Boy, they would be in for something uh, in November. Undertaker has a pre-tape promo where he says, since Shawn isn't the ref... Of course Brett's going to lose. That's the only reason Undertaker lost was because Shawn Michaels hit him with that chair. The only reason. And he says Brett is going to have to rest in peace. Brett comes out and gets a massive reaction in England. The crowd was not very 50-50 for Brett originally. I mean, there was a few boos in there and stuff, people sour, but for the most part, Brett was still way over in England. Taker gets a nice reaction as well. Brett and Taker just exchange right hands to start the match. Brett exposes the buckle, Mr. Heel Brett Hart here, as the ref was distracted. And Kyoto makes no attempt to fix the buckle. When you see the turnbuckle pad is off, Patrick, do you try to fix it or do you just let it go? Try to fix it. Well, he didn't try to fix it. He didn't care. Brett tries for the sharpshooter but gets kicked away and then clotheslines Taker in response. Undertaker gets kicked into the announcer's table. They brawl up the ramp where Undertaker body slams Brett. Kyoto here also lets the 10 count go very, very long on the fighting up the ramp. They get back in the ring and Brett DDTs Taker, lands some elbows before Taker stumbles to his feet. Taker throws Brett's chest into the exposed buckle, and then Taker delivers the heart punch, taking a page out of his buddy's crush's playbook, and hits a heart that, punch that to a, that Brett. That was a mean Mark Callis uh, heart punch there. Oh, sorry, I forgot yeah. that he did it first. Yeah. yeah. And then he stomps at Brett's injured chest. Taker, I love Vince doing commentary, too. Well, that's a new move for the uh, Undertaker there. No, dude, it's not. <laughs> Taker stretches Brett's back over his knee and covers him for a two count. Brett tries to kick Undertaker's legs out from him, but Taker fights back until Taker rams his knee into a buckle and Brett goes back to work on the legs. He introduces the figure four on the ring post and then he does one to Taker in the ring. They stay in the figure four for two minutes before Taker rolls over, reverses the pressure, and Brett slaps the mat in frustration so it looks like he tapped out as tapping out was a relatively new concept in pro wrestling, so the ref has to tell him, hey, quit tapping the mat, dude. Uh, So he grabs the rope instead. Taker is on wobbly legs when he gets back to his feet, and Brett takes him right back off of him. He goes right back to work on the leg. He Russian leg sweeps him for a two count, tries the elbow from the second rope, but Taker gets a boot up. Undertaker hits a leg drop to Brett's abdomen, tries it again, but Brett catches his leg and turns it into a sharpshooter, which was a really cool spot, and I'm surprised Taker was able to do it. Uh, Taker uses his legs, though, to power out of the sharpshooter with no help. It's just... And he did this at SummerSlam, too, so uh, very big of Brett to have his finisher just destroyed like this twice in a row. Brett tries the sharpshooter again, but Taker grabs him by the throat. Brett goes and gets the timekeeper's bell. He says, fuck this, I'm just going to get DQ'd. But Undertaker boots him before he can use it. Undertaker teases using it, but Mike Kyoto does interfere here and takes it away from Taker. This allows Brett to chop block Undertaker. Brett uses the ropes to work on Taker's leg. Somehow he takes the cameraman ringside out as he was stomping on Taker's legs through the ropes and just ended up getting 
being flung out of the ring somehow. Both of them end up out of the ring, where Taker hurls Brett into the steps. Taker tries old school, but Brett pulls him off the ropes. Brett teases a tombstone on Undertaker, which would have been awesome had he nailed it. But Taker reverses it. But Brett gets caught in the ropes, neck first, as he tries to escape. And then Taker starts punching at him. The ref tries to shoot Taker off as Brett is literally choking to death in the ropes. And then, ding, 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 he calls for the bell as he DQs Taker for not backing away. And then Owen Hart runs down to free Brett with Jerry Briscoe. Briscoe takes a choke slam. Then the fans throw garbage in the ring. They were not happy with this finish. Taker then goes after the ring announcer after Brett is announced as the winner, which was strange. Like, why is Taker mad at this poor ring announcer? And that's the end of the match. As I'd say for 90% of this, this was an awesome match, but the finish was very strange. They didn't want to give the title to Taker, but they didn't want to... Taker to lose. To lose. So they just hang Brett up to call for a DQ. But You could do that a million other ways. Well, I mean, especially if you've seen Foley do it 10,000 times. I don't think that's a DQ. No. That's uh, that's part of the ring. Andre's been caught in the ring ropes how many times? Oh, that was his favorite spot yeah, to do when he got older. Just, is and you're it? just sitting there welling away on him. He's caught in the ropes. I mean, if I well away on him, I step back and break the five count, and I go back and break the f- which is what Taker was doing. But no, that's too much. He's breaking the five counts to do it, you know? This is sort of like the Hell in a Cell 2019 finish where Talk. Seth Rollins got yeah. DQ'd in a Hell in a Cell match for a hammer shot, a sledgehammer shot, which, you know, that's that's never been done before, that level of violence, you know? Um, Just why don't we ask Triple H? He knows yeah. all about it. Yeah, so this is kind of a strange way, especially when they had the ring bell opportunity they yeah. could have done. They had... Uh, the stairs they had the they could have both gotten counted out on the ramp i mean there's a million ways to do a fuck finish this was just one of the worst ways to do a fuck finish but for such a good match and it, it was really bad it was just some really people bad. consider this brett's basically his last good match in the wwf really some people consider this to be the one so a very good match. I thought that Brett really works good with tall dudes. He, does. he can get the most out of tall dudes. Him and Sean are able to to use the size advantage in a in a good light to make it work. Yeah, and Undertaker's not totally shit like Kevin Nash. I mean, exactly. Brett got amazing work out of Kevin Nash, considering how limited he is, and Undertaker being better. And being a tall dude, this was, yeah, bound to be a good matchup. Yes. So, Especially when I don't think Undertaker really got to be a great wrestler until his later years. Like, until after the, the, the American Badass version of Taker. And after that is when I actually think he became a really good, complete pro wrestler. Because I was thinking about it the other day, as far as, like, in-ring pro wrestlers, I don't think... I would have Taker in my top ten. Like, really? I just, and maybe even wrestlers in general. I don't think Taker's in my top ten of wrestlers overall. I and that's he's sad in, to he's say. In mine. Well, I think. I mean, that's the thing though about Taker is he's always the number two guy. He's never the number one guy. Like, is in the company. He's always like he's he's it, depend. We know we can put the belt on him when we're in a lull, but we're not gonna actually like ride Taker as our dude for like an extended period of time i think because it it would burn out the the for him it's the thrill of the chase and once he's there he's there but he can't be there long because then it's like triple h in 2003 with the title for two years yeah you know so um or 
Brock Lesnar for 2015 <laughs> to now. Yeah, well, at least he's not on TV every week. Jesus, man. So, Shawn Michaels is backstage and says he's going to become the first Grand Slam winner. This term was coined, and now everyone's a Grand Slam winner. They have so many belts, Patrick. Everybody's a Grand Slam winner. We've seen the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. We've seen the World Wrestling Federation Champion. And now you get the main event. The headliner himself. The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, is going to walk out there tonight and become the first Grand Slam winner in the World Wrestling Federation. The first man to hold the WWF title, the Intercontinental title, the WWF Tag titles, and tonight I will walk out with the European title thus. Can you top this, Shawn Michaels? Can I top this? Yeah. My middle name is Top This. I got news for you. You can send out anybody you want, but you haven't seen the showstopper until the Heartbreak Kid enters the ring. And you're about to get it live and in living color. HBK is on his way. But here it was kind of special, and it was cool that he coined the term. So anybody that calls himself the Grand Slam champion, is Sean invented this concept. Well, I mean, yeah, tag, IC, world title, and European title. Now you can be a double Grand Slam, triple Grand Slam. You can have every, you can have 14. See, I don't see how that's possible. If, if you have a Raw and a SmackDown tag title. And, Same thing. And you have a Universal and WWE title. You're a Grand Slam champion. And you have a United States title and an Intercontinental title. You got to win all those in my mind to be a Grand Slam champion. Now they just count anything. Yeah. So he says he's going to be the first Grand Slam winner, and HBK is on his way. Sean busting out his chaps and his chap jacket for this one. So coming to the ring, a fan has a British Bulldog action figure, and Sean just drops it on the ground. Yeah. Loses this guy's action figure. Grabs it and just chucks it. At first, I thought he had pulled his tights open and dropped it down his pants, and I thought that was really weird. I thought he did. But he just dropped it on the ground, as the camera showed us. Because if they didn't show me, I'd be like, did he just drop it down his pants? That's going to really suck if he gets kicked in the balls during this match. And then Sean just kisses a few random ladies on the way to the ring. Dude, they've grabbed him and will not let him go. And well, and he kept this up, even after Bulldog had gotten the ring. Okay, time to start the match. No, Sean's still outside going to every woman that he can find. Yeah. He was actually playing up the heartbreak kid thing here and actually getting involved with the ladies. A bunch of boos for Sean, of course. He did have some fans here, but he's still heelish. He he hates foreign countries. Bulldog comes Especially out. Especially Canada. Yeah, Canada, <laughs> yeah. Not so I'm glad he didn't have a flag with him. That might yeah, yeah. Woo. Him and him and country's flags are not a good thing. Bulldog comes out and brings his sister Tracy with him. And Bulldog chants before the bell rings as the crowd goes nuts for their hometown guy. Bulldog shows Sean the Union Jack, and Sean just walks up the ramp and points to his butt. So, yeah, he he didn't disrespect the Union Jack like he did the Maple Leaf of Canada. Bulldog whips Sean to the buckles. (laughs) Okay, time out, time out, time out. Had he threw down the, the just like the maple leaf had he threw down the union jack humped it humped it right there and then the put middle. it in his crotch and ran it back and forth then or may, didn't he put it up his nose too yeah, on well, an episode yeah, of yeah, raw yeah, yeah had he done that do you think he would have got out of england alive 
Not if he's still not if the outcome of the match was still the same. Absolutely not. <laughs> that place would have come unglued when. Yeah, they had their flag desecrated, which it might be a, in some countries that's a crime to yeah. actually do that. Yeah, like Chris Jericho got in trouble because he did it to the Brazilian flag a few years ago on a WWE tour and like almost got like arrested for like all he did was just stomp on it. He didn't do nearly what Sean did, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. England's policy on the but Union Jack. But had he done that and then walked out of here with that title, holy shit. Or maybe he could have just spit on the woman with cancer's face too on the way out. Yeah, that would have been exactly, real good. Exactly. That place, there would it would not be standing. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, this was... Uh, so yeah, he was smart enough <laughs> to not uh, invite that kind of... Not that much heat. Yeah. He still got plenty of it. <laughs> he still had a lot in store. Bulldog whips Sean to the buckles and then clotheslines him out of the ring. Sean walks up the ramp like he's leaving and calls a timeout, which Vince says, oh, there's no timeouts in wrestling, but maybe there should be. Actually, there is. When they take commercial breaks, they do chin locks and stuff. That's like a timeout. He eventually comes back into the ring and gets press slammed by Bulldog. Bulldog back body drops him out of the ring. Sean, Sean just thumbs Bulldog in the eyes in clear view of Earl Hebner. Doesn't matter. Tries a Hurricane Rana, but Bulldog power bombs him for a near fall. Bulldog hits his delayed vertical suplex for a two count. Then Rick Rude walks down to the ring. Rude reverses the pinning attempt that Bulldog had on Sean and then strikes Bulldog behind the ref's back and throws Bulldog into the post while Sean distracts Earl some more. Rude throws Bulldog into the ring apron. Then Sean puts Bulldog in a sleeper. Bulldog suplexes out of it. Sean puts on an arm bar and Bulldog just deadlifts Sean off the ground and slams him down to escape. Then Hunter and China come down to the ring to watch as well. And I'm like, where the fuck is the Heart Foundation? Yeah. How many people can come down here? Owen. Brett. Pillman. Where the hell is... Exactly. Where's the backup for your own guy? Yeah. Hunter and China come down to the ring. We get We Want Brett chants from the crowd, which I was doing at home. So where were these guys? Just yeah. made them look like fools here yeah. tonight. Sean hits his elbow drop from the top rope. He hits it twice for good measure. Then he tunes up the band but stops to put Bulldog in the corner. Bulldog ducks this, tries the power slam attempt, but Sean escapes. They get out of the ring. Rude distracts Earl, and Bulldog goes for the running power slam to Sean on the outside of the ring. But the ring is elevated, so the... They love doing this spot. Anywhere overseas, the ring is elevated onto a platform. It's not even with the ground. And so if you are overseas... Don't go out of the ring. Don't go out of the ring because your foot slips off of that platform and gets stuck in between the platform and the steel guardrail. And it's it works. I mean, it's an amazing because it, it looks like you just broke your leg. And really, all you did is just slide. It also makes you look like a fool, too. Yeah. Because, it's oh, like I know a, that there's a hole here. It's like a standing baseball slide. So it's, it's brilliant. It looks amazing. But, yeah, it's... Still, though. It, yeah, watch out for these. Even they did it in WCW when they were in Sturgis and they had the yeah. elevated yeah. ring. He tries to hit the running power slam, and of course, his leg falls in that hole, just as many others do as well. And so while Bulldog is trying to get up from the ground, while he's trapped, he can't figure out this guardrail and hole thing, Sean hits sweet chin music to him right there on his knees. Boom. Hunter then comes in and pedigrees Bulldog on the ring mats. Then Sean takes off Bulldog's knee brace in the ring and throws it into Diana's lap, who was in the front row with 
Bulldog's sister. He then puts Bulldog into the figure four. Hunter and China help Sean apply more pressure behind Earl's back. Bulldog crawls towards the ropes, but Rick Rude is waiting for him and hits him behind Earl's back. Bulldog refuses to quit, even though his shoulders were down for about 20 minutes here. Earl ignored that. And Bulldog passes out in the figure four. Ding, ding, ding. In comes the garbage from the crowd as they were not happy with this finish at all. Sean gets on the mic, tells the Hart family, this is for you. And then he tells Diana Smith, this is especially for you and does the suck it sign. Here is your winner and Federation. All right, I can't believe it. I want you to take a look at your champions and then take a look at the new Grand Slam winner. Heart family, this is for you and Diana Smith, my sweetheart. This one is especially for you, baby. Oh, no. How humiliating. This is... Degrading and humiliating. Take a look, family. Come on. Sean then puts on the figure four again to Bulldog. Diana, of all the hearts that were here tonight, Diana Hart is the one to come and save her husband as she comes into the ring and uses the knee brace to choke Sean. Finally, finally, Owen and Brett come out and DX runs off as the garbage is just raining down from Dude, this crowd. Yeah. And Hunter hoists Sean on his shoulders, and he mugs for the crowd, gets pelted with garbage on the shoulders of Hunter, which is awesome, and then poses on the stage as we go off the air. So terrible, terrible, (laughs) terrible booking. (laughs) Terrible ending. Uh, The Hart family looks like a complete joke. Um, The Hart Foundation looks extremely stupid. They watched their member get lose. beaten down. Yeah. Not even just lose. Like I under, like even if the Heart Foundation came out they just didn't make it and, in time. And even or, yeah, or they, they they distract DX but like somehow Bulldog still chokes and loses like Or like, they get into it with Triple H and China. Or they get into it with Triple H and Rude and China, you know, sneaks out there still and helps with it or something. something. Yeah. Just some kind of effort yeah. would have been nice. I almost assume that the Hart Foundation didn't know the finish, like Brett and Owen didn't know the finish and didn't weigh in and say no, we've got to run out there or something. Yeah. And well, I'm pretty sure they knew, like, hey, he's going over, but I don't think they knew the capacity. They probably didn't know all the interference that it was going right. to be. Yeah, because this was just obscene. This is just this is I'm 2019 you, had booking. He, had he humped the Union Jack <laughs> and then did this shit? Oh my god! Yeah, the crowd was not divided about how they felt about the ending of this match. Had no. he just had a great. Shawn Michaels match. I mean, this was uh, this was Shawn being Shawn. He yeah. fucking hates Bret Hart. He's got all the power in the company. This is just him. The click is running the show. Like, yeah. I'm just going to fucking beat you in your fucking hometown for this title. Then I'm going to defend the title a total of zero times between now and whenever I drop it. When I do drop it, I'm just going to lay down. On, I'm just going to piss on it, basically. Yeah. Like, Finger poke and boom. Yeah, this was uh, just awful. Yeah, and like I said, it was all he dedicated this match to his sister with cancer. Bulldog, who did. literally died just months later. 
It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. It's it's 2019 WWE booking because when when they do this in people's hometowns, I think they want this kind of reaction. They want the heat. Like, oh, it'll get so much heat, but now people are so accustomed to it because they do it so often. Like, yeah, it got Sean a lot of heat, but what did it do to your European title? It killed it. Yeah. And what did it do to the Hart Foundation? It made them look like fools in front of the people that were rooting for them, the people that buy their merch, the people that love them. Yeah. You beat them in front of them. So, yeah. really awful. Uh, definitely the polar opposite from SummerSlam 92 and how well that was booked. And But Shawn Michaels, man, he had all the power. That's what happens when you're the top top guy. When you're the big dog, you're running the show. I mean, Sean didn't even put this belt on the line in the Hell in a Cell match against Undertaker. <laughs> That's true. And he even made a joke about, like, oh, this is not, my precious European title will not be on the line in this match. And yeah. It was just a prop. It was just, here's some gold on your shoulder, Sean. China could have two belts in a few months to carry around for the champs. So, <laughs> this match was not very good. Even no. the Even before the finish and all that stuff. No. Sean was not putting in much of an effort, and... Bulldog was higher than hell. Bulldog just doesn't... He's not the kind of performer that can lead the match, and I felt like they wanted Bulldog to lead the match. Yeah. And he's not a leader. He's he's not Giant Gonzalez, but he needs a guy to carry him, kind of, and kind of structure the match and follow the match, and I think the interference was super early but again the match wasn't going well anyway so i see why they brought root out as early as they did because man just bulldog just doesn't have the varied offense to get you invested in the match and sean yeah. he knows he's winning so what does he care he knows this is all a big joke well to he's him. on his he's on his uh bad you know he's on his last leg with drugs and injuries or slowly well he just doesn't care creeping out because 98's when you know we're on that backslide. Yeah, this was, uh, I mean, he only had a few more singles matches left before the injury. Yeah. Yeah, he just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, terrible main event, terrible finish. Amazing heat, though. I mean, garbage, you shouldn't throw garbage at the ring. That's not good. It's not like at full gear when they had those plants throw beer or whatever at MJF. You shouldn't encourage that because then people get crazy and... They'll throw popcorn at you or, or they'll throw... Well, I think that full it, bag of popcorn really sucks. Well, and then they'll throw... You speak from experience. Cokes. I do, yes. They'll throw like a giant, large drink of you know Coke or whatever Yeah, and No Mercy 2001. Remember when Austin got hit with that full can of Coke or whatever? Yes, <laughs> yes. That sucks. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, what did you think of One Night Only? Which I'm glad they didn't call it One Night Stand Then the ECW show would... That's true. Had a completely different title, but that's true. Um, what did you think of this pay per view from? I, it's a good pay per view. It stands. It withstands the test of time. It is definitely something that true wrestling fans know about and will watch. It's one of those go. I'm not saying you go to it every year as like a oh well. I'm I'm thinking about this. I want to watch it. It's one of those that you'll you'll pull out of the archives and watch once every five or ten years. I think that the ending should actually be talked about more than often what it than is. A, yeah. This yeah. isn't a mantra all screw job but this is equally it's, bad yes i mean as far as like ways to end a pay-per-view and it also involves sean again like here sean is two months before the big the big deal you know in montreal but here equally and there's nothing like i said there's no difference between the two except had he just de- desecrated the flag as well 
Yeah, or they just screwed Davey out. If they'd ring the bell, well, they could have just done the screw job here. It would have gotten the same reaction from yeah. the crowd. <laughs> they saved that, though, for the the big show. Yeah. I mean, that not, one was the most important one, yeah. Yeah, that was for a big four, so mm-hmm. it wasn't for this UK-only pay-per-view. This pay-per-view only sold like 22,000 buys, and then it came out on video, so it was kind of lost in the U.S. Like Without the network, I would probably have never seen this. Like. Yeah, I mean, you still didn't get insurrections and things like that. Yeah, that yeah, a lot somewhere. of those were exclusive too. Yeah. So, and you, uh, but it'd also come out on video and you'd see it on video, but other than that, you weren't able to watch it. Yeah, and so on Raw, it's basically oh, uh, Bulldog lost the European belt, but that's like the only thing to come out. I mean, that's the only thing of note to come out of this show, yeah. really. But uh, I thought the matches like. For WWF matches in the late 90s, I thought they were above average, which isn't... The bar is pretty low. That being said, though, about halfway through this show, when we got to the Godwins and LOD, I was kind of tapping out. Like, But the last two matches definitely picked me back up. Like, and Well, oh, and the last three matches definitely yeah. were very good in their own ways. Uh, the main event, not a very good wrestling match, but the finish is just... And the story, it's just unbelievable. It's, But it's typical fucking Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels Screw bullshit. Yeah. On our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where does One Night Only from 1997 stack up? Uh, an Undertaker. It's, uh, it's... Wow, very his, good. Historical purposes alone, it's an Undertaker. I think for 1997 standards and Attitude Era standards, I'm going to give it a... Road warrior animal, a uh, big burly guy, uh, jacked up, mean yeah, dude. jacked up, and he's not selling. And this wasn't selling in the U.S. anyway. So there you go. That's my analogy. All right, Patrick. Now, Patrick, it is your pick for our next podcast. Maybe we'll do it next week. Maybe we'll do it the week after. Hopefully, we can get it done next week. Hopefully, I can get this one edited and published before we do the we'll next get one. There. We'll get Because that there. is usually the challenge. But what is your show? What we is your collection? So, Nick Opaleski, he uh, reached out to us on Facebook and he wants us to cover WWF's Battle Royal at Albert Hall. And so, that's what we're going to cover. Uh, he says, uh, I'm going to have to take my time here if you're wanting to look it up and watch it beforehand it is under home video classics then under originals on the wwe network so we'll have to look it up and uh that's going to be our pick so nick this one's for you buddy okay now we just came off a pay-per-view where the british bulldog was made to look like a fool things would change drastically back in 1991 i guess they they kind of did it in reverse here. So back when things were going good for the British Bulldog, he was a big star at Albert Hall, where this was another pay-per-view from London. Not a pay-per-view, but a Coliseum home video exclusive show from London, England, in front of 5,000 people. And it was headlined by a 20-man battle royal. And it also features Ric Flair and Tito Santana, Earthquake, and Big Boss Man. I love on the cover here, it says... Rick Flair's WWF UK debut. R I C K Flair. The spelling of Rick's first name, uh, especially when you see signs in the crowd, has varied uh, over the years. And I guess whoever put the Coliseum Home Video logo together, whoever put the box on the Coliseum Home Video, didn't know uh, how to spell Rick. And spell check was probably not very uh, easily found in 1991. Although I guess it wouldn't correct you on a name. Never mind. 
The Nasty Boys took on the Rockers. The Mountie took on Kerry Von Erich. The Texas Tornado making a rare appearance here. The Undertaker takes on Jim Duggan. Who will lose in that match? Jeez, Jim Duggan never seems to take falls in the WWF. LOD takes on Power and Glory. Oh, boy. Hercules in the house. And then, of course, the British Bulldog takes on the Barbarian. So that is the card for the Battle Royal at Albert Hall. So that is what we will do next week. A home video classic on Retro Wrestling Podcast. As always, you can get all the episodes by going to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. Go to Powerslam.tv and use the promo code RetroWrestling for a month free and 7,000 hours of pro wrestling can be yours for less than the price of Disney+. Plus. Although there is... Guarantee you it'll work better. Yes, it does work better. So that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always... My clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. It's like, how do you help somebody who's addicted to painkillers? I wouldn't really say he was per se a victim. I think he uh, got caught up in things and didn't know how to get out. Davey just couldn't do it as he was told, as he was prescribed. He always wanted to do more. We were doing a pay-per-view, and um, I, was the, I was the first match. I was in a tag team match with uh, Jim Nida, and uh, there was two rings. And I didn't know that when one of the rings, the first ring, there was a trap door. I went in the ring, I hit my back. I was like, oh my God, I almost, I felt my life go out of me. I almost like messed myself, to tell you the truth. And that's when it all started. I went to the doctor and uh, he put me on uh, painkillers and then they weren't working. And then uh, they put me on morphine. I started looking around and I, I was finding pill bottles everywhere from different doctors all across the states and then finding syringes hidden in um, cowboy boots and they were loaded up with morphine. Davey became so dependent upon morphine to ease his pain. It went from morphine tablets to morphine injections in his leg to his shoulder to right into his vein. The morphine injections in his veins, what shocked me. She got so mad. She took a, an overdose of pills. I heard her screaming, and I, and I just got up, and I was so I was so out of it. I was like... I took a hundred of his Xanax and swallowed them in front of him and said, I'm, this is what you do to me and Harry and Georgia every day, and I'm going to show you what it's like. And he couldn't even do anything to... He tried. He said, no, he's so helpless and feeble. And then I called 911 and said, I did something really stupid. I just took a hundred of my husband's Xanax and uh, I don't want to die. Davey was just sitting there like an eggplant vegetable, just a funny color. And um, so I woke up two days later and was told that I had died four times en route to the hospital. And and that, that, that's, you know, when I got the wake up call and said, whoa, you know, I got to go to rehab. You know, I do have a drug problem. And um, so 1998 was sort of the turning point, for, and he went into rehabilitation uh, New Year's Day of uh, 1999. 
I stayed for seven weeks to clean my system out. On the, on the fifth week, I was getting so much pain, I was crying. I could barely stand. And they said, oh, it's withdrawals, withdrawals. I said, no, it's not withdrawals. I am in serious pain. So then I flew back to Calgary, and uh, they couldn't find any, any problem with my back. In the meantime, you know, my sister had passed away. I'd flew home. I'd buried her, 27 years old. And then in uh, February, I get a call. Two days after I get a rehab, um, I get a call from my sister. You better come home. Your mom's sick. I f flew out Thursday, got there Friday. My mom died Saturday. And that upset Davey terribly. He had a very hard time coping with that. And um, I know he started back on uh, things to help him ease that pain. It was an emotional pain, which isn't any easier than a physical pain. And uh, finally, they said, we're going to do an MRI of your complete spine. And within 15 minutes, they said, you got a fractured spine and you got a staph infection that's eating your spine away. You might die. Diana came to the hospital and gave me a Federal Express envelope. I said, what is it? She said, read it. And it was uh, my termination from uh, WCW. Said that uh, basically, you know, we're you know, sorry you're injured. And, uh, you know, if you, when your back gets better, you know, give us a call and come back in. And I just, I was so mad. I was addicted to drugs because I broke my back in a ring. You know, I wasn't taking morphine for the fun of it. Unfortunately, they put him on a morphine drip when he was in the hospital, so he was on morphine right from the day he was in the hospital until around the 17th of April, which was when the WWF came to Calgary. No one was on that show, and Mankind, he came down and saw Davey. A bunch of the wrestlers uh, phoned him, and Vince McMahon and Owen and Davey got together on the phone and said, um, Bulldog, we'll do whatever we can to help you. Davey just got too far into it, and I've tried. I had him in rehab, then Vince McMahon put him in rehab, then the police put him in rehab. Wish that more could have been done, but more, I mean, how much more can you do? I went to see him when it was being, I'm not sure of the date. It was two years ago in March. Um, I went in to see him when he was um, placed in the medical facility in Atlanta that I'd been through. And I went to see him and he was having a hard time then. And I never saw him again. That was the last time I ever saw him. Um, it's not exactly the greatest memory to have seen him in a lockup, drying out facility and going through the problems he was going through. But that was the last time I saw him. I know that he was, he was really sick and he spent some time in the hospital and... Uh, and from what I've seen him from that point on, he just never really quite looked the same. He never had that uh, glimmer in his eye. He always just kind of looked like he was, you know, he's always preoccupied or uh, there was just something that just wasn't ever the same after he came out of the hospital. Uh, it's extremely painful to watch uh, Davey go through what he was going through because I didn't really know how to help him. It was just so sad to see Davey... Um, he was getting frustrated and, you know, subsequently we split up. But in the last few months, I'd say in the last year, things had become uh, noticeably better. I remember as the British Bulldog, one of the, you know, uh, one of the great wrestlers of our time. You know, one of the 
the best, you know, workers, most popular, and all like that. Um, Everyone's memories of Davey. He was a fantastic wrestler. He changed uh, the way wrestling is today. I think Davey will be remembered as a uh, as a tremendous athlete, and uh, I, I think Davey, for the most part, enjoyed life maybe too much. Um, but his legacy as a uh, as a wrestler, uh, I think he'll go down as one of the all-time greats. He always, he always told me, you know, never to quit. If something you want to do, don't quit. Failing, quitting, retiring is not on my mind. I, not on the menu? No, it's not, it's not on the menu today. It's not, <laughs> not on today's menu, Jim. I just, uh, <laughs> I'm not hungry to fail. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.